Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. It is great to be with you on this afternoon show, hour and a half uh, earlier than usual in Carving It Up Live. Usually, we try to you know do it at six, keep it a consistent time, but you know some scheduling conflicts later today. Uh, I'll sort of briefly detail why, because it actually has to do with somebody very special to me. Uh, but we've got a loaded, and I mean. Good lord, we have a loaded show today, okay? This is why I always say on this show, October is by far, by far, the best month of the sports calendar year. It's great. You know, it's fall, the leaves are changing, it's great. We've got NFL all day. We've got we've got the NBA, uh, the Drew Holiday trade happened yesterday. Kind of snuck in there because it's the NFL Sunday, but a big trade for Boston. I think they're now on equal footing with Milwaukee after this move. I'll get to that. Also... Major League Baseball. So again, kind of under the radar because baseball kind of is 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 it gets dwarfed by football uh, because of obviously the NFL's popularity. But I will predict what the wild card round of Major League Baseball, which is going to go on this week. We got four rounds, uh, very very interesting matchups uh, coming up in those. I'll get to that. And at the end of today's show, I will predict the uh, tonight's matchup between the Seattle Seahawks. And the New York Giants. Going to get into some Cowboys, Patriots, some Bills, Dolphins. A lot of stuff to get into on Carving Up Live. But first, before I get into sports, happy birthday to my dad. I uh, love you, dad. Thank you so much for for what you've done for uh, for me, for our family. You're the absolute best. And so I uh, just want to take a moment to celebrate you uh, on Carving Up Live today. Again, actually going to go, you know, go have some dinner with, with, with my dad tonight. That's why I'm doing the show a little bit earlier to, you know, allow time for that. Family first, obviously, so happy birthday, Dad. You're the absolute best. And not in the similar sense, this next part I'm going to talk, talk about, not in the similar sense that my dad is special to me, but because we know the, the love that we have for our parents and for our siblings and, and loved ones, you know, knows, knows no, no limits, of course. But my love for you, the audience, is off the charts because literally on Friday... I mentioned about how in between Wednesday and Friday, showing and carving it up, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, on, on, on YouTube and Twitter, I mentioned that on Thursday, we had gotten to 300 subscribers. And you guys know I'm trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58, which is February the 11th. That's our target goal, try to get to 1,000 by, by February 11th. But <laughs> in a short 96 hours, we've gone, just four days basically, We've gone from 300 subscribers to over 400 subscribers. So hats off to you, the audience. Uh, it, it, it makes me feel great that, that y'all are responding well to the content we're putting out there. Uh, obviously, I'm carving it up live also on the Grid Network. But, you know, obviously check everybody else out uh, on the Grid. But thank you so much. Again, we'll put up the graphic here because it's a celebratory occasion to a certain extent, right? We're trying to get to 1,000. So another, another milestone, 400 subscribers to Carving It Up Live. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much to all those who have tuned in and taken two seconds out of their day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Can not tell you how much we appreciate that uh, but I just wanted to mention those two things happy birthday dad and uh, thank you so much to those who have tuned in and watched carving up live and gotten us to 400 subscribers we're gonna get to a thousand by February I have no doubt about it and uh, it's great to see you know it's great to see these milestones so just want to get into that now but first let's get into some football let's get into Kansas City Chiefs defending champion Kansas City Chiefs uh, and the New York Jets who played <laughs> 
an unexpectedly entertaining football game uh, with the Chiefs coming out and prevailing 23-20 to uh, in MetLife Stadium in the Meadowlands. And it, what is mind-boggling, what is wild, and I'll get into sort of Zach Wilson, his night uh, overall a little later, but Zach Wilson in basically every metric outplayed Patrick Mahomes, uh, threw for more yards, threw for more touchdowns, didn't throw for any picks, although he did fumble, but Mahomes threw two really bad picks, had a better QBR, had a better passer rate. I'm sorry, Mahomes had a slightly better QBR. I'm not quite sure how. Uh, Zach Wilson had the significantly better passer rate. As a matter of fact, it was over 100, uh, and he got some help from his running game, got over 100 yards uh, from guys like Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, and company. So props to Zach Wilson. Again, I'll get into Zach a little, a little late in the show. But I think... And some of this has to do with the Bills-Dolphins game, which I'll talk about a little later uh, today. I feel like there is this, a little bit of an overreaction to Kansas City's play, in particular Mahomes' play. I'm starting to wonder if Andy Reid and Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, are almost becoming the way that Brady and Belichick were during the Patriots dynasty in that September slash, obviously, yesterday, first day of October, the first five, maybe even six weeks of the season, you're kind of it's a feel-out process. You're seeing what you have, seeing what works. Again, there's a lot of guys returning from Kansas City, but in terms of the chemistry, in terms of trying to find what you got here, you may have the same guys, but it's a different team every year, different vibes around the, the organization and, and what have you. So Mahomes and, and Reed trying to suss that out, trying to figure that out, is going to be key to their success, obviously. And again... Lackluster offensive performance in week one, not a good offensive performance at all in week two, given the defense they were facing in Jacksonville. And then last week against Chicago, who might have the worst defense of football, they looked awesome. Last night, outside of Isaiah Pacheco, nobody, including uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend, okay, played all that well, including Mahomes himself. Again, Patrick Mahomes, only 203 yards, one touchdown, two really bad picks, and a passer rating at 63. Again, he was bailed out uh, in a large part due to his running game, and props to Andy Reid for sticking, to, uh, sticking with that throughout the night. I think we're overreacting to Kansas City. They'll be fine. Their defense is still playing really well. Uh, I, I wouldn't overreact. Who the Chiefs have next week? The Kansas City Chiefs next week have the Minnesota Vikings. They're going to run rough shot on Minnesota in Minnesota. We, we know how that's going to go, okay? As for the New York Jets, so I, I do not believe, I firmly do not believe in moral victories. What did Herm Edwards say, former head coach of the New York Jets? You play to win the game. It's one of the most famous head coach sound bites ever. It's one of my favorite. Uh, and that's it's true. It doesn't matter if you win three to nothing or if you lose, you know, like the Chiefs lost that game to the Rams years ago, 54 to 51. You'll take the three nothing W. Okay. Doesn't matter how you got to do it. You just get the dub. It's not like the AP poll where you got to look good. It's got to be a sexy win. No, no, no. You just win. It's the NFL. You win, you move on to next week. That's how it works. And so that's, that's what makes the league so great. It's what makes sports so great, professional sports in particular. Um, Again, I don't believe in moral victories. But that had to be, if this is even a thing, last night that had to be the best loss I've ever seen. Ever seen from uh, from a team this year in the NFL in 2023. <laughs> because you had the entire media, by the way, stick in my hand, myself included, that were not just bagging on the New York Jets, Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, but Zach Wilson, we were and I think rightfully so, clobbering him for his play through the first couple of weeks of the season, or at least the first couple of weeks since he uh, took, took Aaron Rodgers' place after that week one game against Buffalo. Dating back to his last couple of years, just bad football, uh, careless play. It seemed like it was some confidence problems going on there. 
Everybody's talking about how great Zach Wilson played, and he did. He outplayed Mahomes, there's no question about it. I get he had the, the fumble at the 50-yard line. He does deserve blame for that. But two things, one in particular, but two things that I love from Zach Wilson, and it's funny, I'm actually going to talk about an AFC East quarterback, another AFC East quarterback in the next segment. It's not Josh Allen or Tua, so you, you kind of narrow it down from there. What I loved about what Zach Wilson did, again, the guy has been, and again, rightfully, clobbered for the last two and a half years. And certainly through the first part of this season. He's no good. He's inaccurate. He's wild with the football. Uh, the Jets don't trust him. Again, I think all of these things, certainly through the first part of this year, are 100% true. Check the tape. What I loved about Zach Wilson, though, didn't let it get to his head. Matter of fact, he, in, an, in the New York market, tuned all of it out put himself in position uh, to be successful again against a very good Chiefs defense. This is the best Chiefs defense in the Mahomes-Andy Reid era. It is. There's there's no question about it. Check all the, all the numbers. Check the film. They're absolutely the best defense that Mahomes and, and Reid have had in Kansas City. Tunes out the noise. Doesn't worry about that. Obviously, there's, there's always media. There's always press surrounding Jets games, especially there was going to be even more had Aaron Rodgers stayed healthy. And even with the Rodgers injury, we're looking at Zach with Zach Wilson with a, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're a lot more scrutin, uh, we're scrutinizing a lot more than we did maybe in years past because of the improved offensive staff around him, despite a bad offensive line, which I actually thought played pretty well. He tuned out the noise. Uh, there's there, and, and by the way, the noise coming from, from Taylor Swift there and I think Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively and Hugh Jackman, everybody's there at MetLife. I mean, even a couple of, 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 of teammates of mine in the grid network, Barry Grant Jr. and Alpha Parcel Jr., they were there in the stadium, okay? It's a big night. Defending champs in town. Didn't let it get to his head. Did, didn't, didn't, let, didn't allow it to put himself in a position where he's compromised himself. And you know what I loved maybe more than that? After the game? Maybe the, probably the best game of Zach Wilson's NFL career, given the circumstances. What's the first thing he says? I cost my team tonight because of the fumble at the 50-yard line. Remember a year ago? Game against no, in November against the New England Patriots. Like, you know, Probably the two worst quarterbacks in football, though maybe you can't say that about Zach Wilson today, but Patriots, Jets, it's 3-3 three to three late in the fourth quarter. It's been an absolute dud of an offensive football game by both sides. Zach Wilson plays poorly. His defense plays outstanding. New England ends up returning a punt to win the game on a touchdown. And they ask Zach Wilson the last question of that press conference. I think it was the last question. Do you take any accountability? Do, do, do you feel responsible somewhat for your team losing, given how great your defense was today? One word answer, and I quote, no. And that was it for Zach Wilson from a confidence perspective, in particular from the New York Jets in him. Forget just him and himself from, from the New York Jets, from Robert Saul and him. You then have Mike White starting the next week. You had the Jets players come out with Mike White t-shirts and the whole bit. It was a mess for Zach. He put himself in that spot, though. But being around Aaron Rodgers, being around a mature veteran quarterback, forget veteran quarterback, one of the greatest to ever do it, you don't think that in affect him in some way, shape, or form. Again, it's being around, you can tell a lot about somebody based on who they surround themselves with, whether it's their friend group, whatever the case may be. And a lot of times, maybe if you don't have the right people around you, uh, with Zach Wilson may have not in New York, but you get an adult in there, a guy who's been there, has done that. He's got four MVPs, got a Super Bowl. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. If he never plays another down, just being in proximity of that guy can't make all the difference in the world. And so you get props to Zach Wilson. Again, the Jets do lose this game, but 
But if you're a Jets fan and you get any semblance, any semblance of that last night, because you're not going to expect Zach to do that consistently because of what his history what his history would tell you, but just a semblance of that. They got the Denver Broncos next week. Denver, who has one of the worst defenses in football. And by the way, that's the revenge game for the New York Jets, given what Sean Payton said about Nat Hackett, the offensive coordinator, back in the preseason. Remember that story. So the Jets are going to come into Denver with their hair on fire uh, in, in that matchup. They got Philly at home. Philly's a buzzsaw right now. That's going to be a tough one to win. But then they got what is basically a neutral site game against the New York Giants. They can absolutely win that game. The Chargers, I don't know. Did you see Brandon Staley make yet another boneheaded coaching move? He can basically gift wrap that game and hand it to the uh, to, to the New York Jets. They can win that game. How about the Raiders? Yeah, yeah, they can absolutely beat the Raiders. <laughs> With Jimmy G, without Jimmy G, they can beat the Raiders. Raiders defense is awful. At Buffalo, eh, that's dicey. Although they did just beat Buffalo, but that's that's a tough place to go win at Orchard Park. Miami, eh, Black Friday game, that's tough. Atlanta, Desmond Ritter, are you kidding me? Of course they can beat Atlanta. Texans now, CJ Stroud looks awesome. That's going to be a tough one, but the Jets can win that one. Then you got Miami, the Commanders, the Browns, the Patriots. There's a lot of winnable football games on the schedule for the New York Jets, and whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to come back this year or not, which he says he wants to, I get that it's a new Achilles surgery. It's a new technology they've used. We saw it work with Cam Akers. I just have a hard time seeing Aaron Rodgers come back just four months after literally blowing his Achilles, but hey, stranger things have happened. But I've said, and this is why I, I've clamored for the Jets to go get a quarterback, because Super Bowl hopes are, are done, they're gone, they're over with, forget about them, at least for this year. But you can't waste that defense again. You can't waste these skill position players again. Robert Saul's in his third year, jobs on the line. Joe Douglas, you can make the same case about. you got to win now. Well, if Zach Wilson gives you something similar to that, of course they could win now. So I don't usually say props to X, props to blank, whoever the team is. Props to the Jets. They play the defending champs of the wire against some of that wasn't just bad Kansas City. Some of that was good Jets. Good Zach Wilson. Guy made some tough throws last night. I mean, he wasn't being handed. I mean, it wasn't like a situation where he's in game managing mode and they're trying to handhold him as they as they have through a lot of his time there. No, he's out there making big boy throws, making Aaron Rodgers level throws, dare I say. Hats off to him. Great win for Kansas City. Even the best teams went ugly. They're allowed to win ugly. Hats off to him. Let's see, we got some comments here. My man, Philip Chanel, that's my guy right there. I love Philip. Uh, he says, growing like crazy. C keep grinding, my man. I appreciate you so much. F people don't know this. Philip has been supporting. We, we, we go back years and years as, as, as friends. Uh, he has supported Carving It Up Live since, I kid you not, since day one back in 2019. And uh, more importantly than that, he's, he's, a, he's a true friend. I consider him you know, like, like a brother. So hats off to you, Philip. I appreciate you uh, for supporting the show. Uh, and Philip also says, he says, let me just say the whole demeanor has changed. The culture is changing in New York. You can see the change in accountability in Zach Wilson. And I think it's because of Rodgers being there. I agree. I agree. It's amazing what being around a Hall of Fame quarterback can do for you. Oh, here's Barry Grant Jr., host of the All Even Podcast and co-founder of the Grid Network. He says, what's this 4.30 p.m. crap? Okay, it's a one-time occasion, okay? I, sometimes, like, during the holiday season, I'll do, like, an earlier show, depending on what my schedule looks like. But, hey, I, I didn't want to pre-record the show because I, I want to, if at all possible, I want to do the show live as much as possible just for the engagement purposes. So uh, that, that's what I got to do. But, you know, Barry, he's he's the villain. He's got he's to do that. He says, the way the NFL works is that no two weeks are the same. He played well this week. That is absolutely fair. And if he comes back next week again against a bad Broncos defense, looks look, looks bad again. But again, what I was most—it wasn't his—it was not his play that I was most impressed with, Barry. It was the fact that all the noise, again, just about all of it justified, and tunes it out and plays outstanding. 
by his standards, outstanding. Not by the the, the star quarterback of the NFL, but he's not a star. He's, I mean, I, I said literally last week, I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. I've been saying that since last season. So hats off to him. He says, however, the Jets' offensive line is putrid. I want my apology. LOL. Uh, hey, I, Barry, I've been I've been saying the Jets' offensive line is putrid. I, I, I'm not apologizing. Are you kidding me? But I actually thought it played pretty well last night. I, I thought they gave Zach enough time to make some throws, which he did most of the night. So, uh uh, Jets O-line was solid last night, but it's it's not good. They have, they've got to address it in the offseason, especially if they're going to have a 40-year-old quarterback going on 41 next year coming off an Achilles surgery. It's going to be more important than ever. It's going to be more important than ever, you know, keep that pocket clean. Now I want to move on to another NFC. I'm, I'm sorry. Now I want to move on to another AFC East team that happened to play an NFC East team, and that particular NFC East team I had actually participating and playing in the Super Bowl, that being the Dallas Cowboys. That's a prediction I still feel quite good about. This is this is one of the rare segments, just to sort of preview this, this is one of the rare segments where I'm talking about a Dallas Cowboys game, and to me, they're not the main story. I expect them to win that game. I say I had 34-16, uh, so I had them winning by 18. They they won by five touchdowns. Worst loss in the Bill Belichick area. He's never lost by 35 points until yesterday. Briefly on Dallas, then I'll move to New England. Uh, Dak was, well, he was Dak. He was outstanding. 28 for 34, 261, a touchdown. Didn't turn the ball over, so you guys can't get on him this week. Uh, QBR of 83 and 0 to 100, which is outstanding. Pass rating of 105. Again, that's against the Belichick defense. That made Tua look pedestrian. But, you know, that's the, the, nobody's going to talk about that because there's an anti-Dak rhetoric in the media. We understand how that works as a life, I shouldn't say lifelong. As a Dak Prescott fan, since his days at Mississippi State, uh, it, it's not exactly a, a foreign language to me at this point. And, of course, Dallas, their defense looked outstanding, had a couple of takeaways. And you, you see them in a situation where, even without Trayvon Diggs, they're, they're, they're making plays in the football. Micah Parsons did did get injured briefly, but they consistently got pressure. Uh, Dallas' defense is outstanding. They, they were bound to bounce back after that game against Arizona, which Arizona, again, we saw yesterday, I know they lost. They still fight their butts off against the against the 49ers. And, and listen, Dallas lost to them. Dallas didn't take them seriously, and you know they, they got what they deserved in that sense. That they were they were never going to lose back to back games to the Cardinals, the Patriots. So you know, put that to rest. Dallas got a the game of the week next week. Dallas, San Francisco, Sunday Night Football. That's going to be the the game that everybody's talking about this week, and rightfully so. It's going to be a good one. I think those are the two best teams today in the NFC. As for the New England Patriots, and this is what I really wanted to get into. So we all like to. I'm going to do this tonight. We all like to go to restaurants. We all like to. You know, maybe if we don't feel like cooking that day, or maybe if it's a special occasion, or whatever the case may be, we like to go out to especially a good restaurant. And it doesn't necessarily have to be. Maybe you're just kind of out in town. There's a, there's long waits for all these places, and you're like, okay, there's that place we can always rely on. Whether the case, I don't know. Maybe it's Applebee's or some something like that, or Outback Steakhouse. Just they're pretty consistently good. Okay, they're not exactly going to be Wolfgang Puck. Uh, one of Wolfgang Puck's restaurants, or it's not like Gordon Ramsay's running the joint, but you, you get the point. It's, it, it's a good, solid place. It tends to be good pretty consistently. It's not a like a five-star, but it's good. You, you, It's reliable. You can consistently rely on it to, to, to serve you well, to give you good food. Uh, we know how those those type of restaurants go. Um, One could have, two and a half years ago, one could have made that case the restaurant case, so to speak, about Matt Jones. He was played well at Alabama, looked excellent, uh, had a great season. Alabama won the national championship. Mac was great the whole bit, had the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. We understand how that goes. 
And then Mac was, and I said this, check the tape back in the time, insanely, insanely tabbed as a as a first round pick, and even more mind boggling was was projected. Hey, could he go third overall? That's I don't know about that. But the point is, even a Mac Jones skeptic like myself could always, and I did even during the draft process. I said, you know what? Arm not good, mobility awful. Uh, there, there's some some maturity issues there, and. But I was always, always honest about his strengths coming out of Alabama. Listen, he's deadly accurate. I mean, he completed darn near 80% of his passes at Bama. Again, a lot of that is the guys he's throwing to. But props to him. He threw the ball on time and on target. We should give him credit for that. And also, man, guy, the guy's like a coach out there. He's really smart. He's, he makes good decisions. Even I could recognize that. I have Mac Jones in that draft pegged as like a, a late second, early third round pick. I think that's coming to, to, to I, I probably overrated him in a sense, but he certainly was not a first round talent. Said that back in 2021. Yeah, now we can't even say that those are strengths of his. I don't know what, I don't know what more it's going to take for the, and it's it's a small group of people out there. But for the Mac Jones defenders to keep defending the indefensible. Or an apologist, so to speak. Because if you're a Mac Jones apologist, you have to apologize um, a lot. We knew his arm was awful. We, sh- we saw that yesterday, and we've seen it all season long. Mobility, not there. Never has been. Never will be. But he's not accurate. He missed some wide-open guys yesterday. There was a couple breaks in the Dallas secondary. Missed wide-open guys. Missed freaking checkdowns, for crying out loud, to Ramondre Stevenson. And his decision-making was putrid. Had three turnovers, two of them resulting in Dallas touchdowns. The first of which, he's rolling out to his left. Now, when a quarterback rolls out to his left outside the pocket, the offensive lineman cannot protect him. The, the, the pass rush is going to be like, okay, there's, there's the quarterback over there. Let me go hunt him down. Let me go get him completely unaware of the pass rush, gets strip-sacked, Leighton Van Der Esch takes it in for a touchdown. And then a couple more plays after that, literally, check the tape, literally looks at his wide receiver, stares him down like it's high school, and Deron Bland picks off two passes. And hats off to Deron Bland, who played excellent, may, may against Mac Jones, so it's not. It's kind of hard to base it off of that, but Deron Bland might be better in that number two corner spot than I initially thought following the Diggs injury. Props to him. But be that as it may, literally Mac Jones looking the guy down, and here comes Deron Bland to make the play. Not to mention the fact that... (laughs) Listen, I, on last week's show, I said, you know what, guys, I can't fight anymore. I was wrong on Tua. But as I also said, you know what? This is a guy, honest to God, I'm kind of glad I was wrong because I really genuinely like him as, 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 as a guy. Um, seemed like a really good leader. Teammates love him. Comes from a great family. Uh, you know, very, has a very deep faith, and he's a, he's a husband. He's a, God bless him. Like, I really, I've always liked to. I've never, ever criticized his character. Mac Jones is a little bit of a different story because Mac Jones is has pulled off, as I mentioned last week and even last season, has somehow pulled off the impossible, the feat of being a dirty quarterback. We remember rookie year, twist Brian Burns' ankle. Last year, he had two dirty plays last year, so you know, watch out defensive players of the future. Watch out Demario Davis and, and Cam Jordan next week with the Saints. Watch out because you get, get your, your leg you twisted up. But last year, slides, literally sticks his leg up. You don't stick your leg up on the slide. 
worldwide, last I checked, at least, more uh, predict the baseball uh, playoffs later in the show, uh, sticks his leg up, kicks the Chicago Bears' safety in the private parts. Later in that season against the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, gets strip-sacked. Again, the play ended up getting called back, but gets strip-sacked. Guy picks up the ball, linebacker for the Bengals, picks up the ball, runs down the sidelines. Uh, and Mac Jones, we know how slow he is, he's not going to catch him. Eli Apple comes from the other side of the field, and Mac Jones throws his body into his legs, intentionally trying to hurt Eli Apple. And then last week, how he wasn't fined is beyond me. Little scuffle sauce Gardner. So what's his response? Little, 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 little you know, slap to the, or, or punch to the private parts once again. So he's a history of this. Again, the NBA suspended Draymond Green last year in the playoffs because he had a quote-unquote history. I don't know what more the NFL has to see with Mac Jones in that regard. Not only that, but as I, I, I was listening to a podcast this morning and a former NFL scout, his name is John Middlecoff, has a really good podcast out there. And John Middlecoff has connections within the Patriots organization. And you know the word that he got from people in that Patriots organization that he got back to him describing Mac Jones's personality? And this is, I've, I don't know if I've ever used this word on my show. You know how they described him? He's a brat. It's whiny. We've seen that last year. Whines to the coaches, whines his teammates, is cussing his teammates out despite the fact that he's not playing well. Can't back up the you know the 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 the, the dog cussing of his of his wide receivers and his offensive line, and he gets pulled from the game yesterday. For the record, I have been, and it's not like he, this guy looked good yesterday. Bailey Zappi, who came in relief of Mac Jones, not like he looked great. And I've I've always said Bailey Zappi's not the answer. If people think, oh, I'm this Bailey Zappi fan. No, I just think he's better than Mac Jones. That doesn't mean I think it's the answer because I don't think either guy's the answer. I think there needs to be some serious systematic changes in New England, probably starting with the head coach, if we're all being honest. But Mac Jones, unlike a year ago, oh, he has a defensive coordinator calling place, which was a valid, uh, valid gripe that Mac or his his apologist would have with the Patriots and with Bill Belichick in particular. Fine. He's got Bill O'Brien. Tom Brady was great with Bill O'Brien. Sean Watts was great with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien got some bad quarterbacks in the playoffs back in Houston. Bryce Young was great with Bill O'Brien. Mac Jones was had a good season uh, at Alabama with Bill O'Brien. It's funny. Again, I don't think Bill O'Brien's exactly Bill Walsh, but he's not he's not Matt Patricia. Let's put it that way. He knows how to coach offense. Okay, we've we've got that. And uh, oh, they got Juju Smith Schuster. Juju was the number one receiver on the Kansas City Chiefs last year. He won the Super Bowl. He's pretty good, right? He's got Juju and Ezekiel Elliott was Dallas's number one back last year. A Cowboys team that went 12 and 5. He's pretty good. Ramondre Stevenson was last year the Patriots' best office weapon. Yeah, they've they've got they've got him too. I'm not gonna make the Patriots out to be like they're the Miami Dolphins offensively and certainly in the wide receiving units, but they're not scrubs, they're not bums, and it comes down to the quarterback. It'd be one thing if Mac Jones was struggling again. It's kind of his brand. And but he was a good leader, came to practice every day, ready to go, um, took accountability. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not Mac Jones. It's not how he's wired. Matter of fact, I've read numerous reports saying that that's, that's how he was at Alabama. He whined to Nick Saban. He whined about his wide receivers. First evaluation of an NFL quarterback, especially one who's limited, especially one who's limited, which Mac clearly is. I want a guy who's, who's one of the guys, not just one of the guys, but has like a commanding presence about him. What brain Brady so great and Manning. It was what makes Mahomes so great. Mahomes is like one of the guys in Kansas City, but when he walks in the room, everybody knows he walked into the room. 
Dak Prescott in Dallas, same thing. Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow's not playing right now. He's never, ever, ever lost respect in that Bengals locker room. Never. Trevor Lawrence, you know when Trevor Lawrence, you feel his presence. Mac Jones, it's like, oh, there's that guy. It's okay, Mac Jones apologists. I was right on this one. For the record, I was wrong on Tua. You know, you can't hit on all of them. But I was right on Mac Jones. I mean, I don't know what more we need to see from a talent perspective, from a production perspective, from a maturity perspective. He's an F minus, if that's even a thing, in all three. It's time for the Patriots to move on, and it's time for us to finally acknowledge what I have said about Mac Jones since the day he walked into the NFL. He's a backup quarterback. Nothing more, nothing less. He's not terrible. He's not awful. He's a backup quarterback. Now, he's got to get the maturity straightened out before he can worry about getting on other teams as their backup. But that's what he is. He's a decent backup quarterback in the NFL. I can absolutely, positively name 32 better starters that are better than Mac Jones. He's not good. Not mature. Not talented. That's who he is. Okay, we got some comments here. Oh, here comes the excuses. Barry Grant Jr., the system, the same system that Brady won 12 games with, is rubbish. Mac Jones needs to be somewhere to help him. I believe in Mac Jones like I believe in UFOs. Well, I actually do believe in UFOs, so we're we're, we're in unison on that. He will improve. Sincerely yours, uh, Michael McCorkle Jones. Kenny in the comments says, Cam Ward is the best quarterback in the nation, the Heisman frontrunner. Let's go Washington State. Yeah, listen, Washington State looks good. Pac-12's loaded. No question about it. Uh, Ryan Flowers, host of Clutch Sports Talk here in the Grid Network. He says, Mac Jones is trash. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, yes. Again, it's, and by the way, by the way, too, guys, and, and women, if you're watching, on Friday's show, <laughs> I was talking about Jordan Love. And I said, my concern, and I, I, I've always been iffy on Jordan Love, but I'm like, hey, if he balls out this season, then I'll admit I'm wrong. Like, he sat three years behind Aaron Rodgers. He needs to be ready in year four here with the Green Bay Packers. And my criticism of Jordan Love on Friday was, okay, he was excellent against Chicago. Excellent. He was pretty good against Atlanta, but just wasn't good in the fourth quarter. And then he was bad for three quarters against the Saints, but was great in the fourth quarter. And then against the Lions, he was bad almost throughout, outside the third quarter. He had some moments here and there. He made a couple throws. Like, hey, that was a good throw by Jordan Love. Okay, okay. There's some. I don't blame somebody. I don't blame a Packers fans if, a fan if they're like, you know what? There's some things we can work with. Again, he'll never be Aaron Rodgers. If that's the expectation that you need to move on from that ASAP. But you, there's stuff to work with. Okay, he's he's got a good arm. He's he's physically gifted. What? What is the upside with Mac Jones? Again, I talk about Jordan Love gets worse every day, every game. Mac Jones literally has gotten worse every game this season. Mac Jones has literally gotten worse dating back to last season, end of his rookie year, that December-January stretch. He was terrible, except against the, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had an interim head coach. He was awful in the playoffs. He was awful all of last year. He's been awful all of this year, except against a terrible Eagles pass defense. It is, it is, I don't know what, I don't know what more Bob Kraft needs to see. Again, there's only so much you can do this season, 
Um, they're one and three. It's not going to get easier. By the way, let's just look real quick, just for good measure, at the New England Patriots schedule. Um, and before they got the Saints next week, it's Dennis Allen coaching, so Belichick can can outflank Dennis Allen. Raiders, eh, Raiders have better offensive pieces. Uh, Bills are not winning that game. Dolphins are not winning that game. Commanders, I don't think they're winning that game. Colts, uh, I know they lost yesterday, but Anthony Richardson looks better by the game. That's tough. Giants, eh, Chargers, they're better, but maybe Staley screws it up. And then the last few games of the season. I'll get into my Steelers later. But they place the play the Steelers defense in Pittsburgh. Don't see that as a win. They play the Chiefs. That's a loss. At the Broncos, dicey. At the Bills, loss. Home against the Jets. I'm sorry. That's a loss. Changes are coming to New England and quickly. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Ryan says, I'd take Kaepernick over Mac Jones. I I would too. I swear to you, I'd take Kaepernick. He says, and Kaepernick sucked too in his final seasons in the NFL. It's again, and I said too about uh, about Cap that, and this is why I've always said, you know, I, I you know, regardless of what your stance is on on his on his protests and whatever the case may be, guy was not uh, by starter standards he wasn't good. By backup standards, yeah, he could be my backup. He's big. He's got a good arm. He's mobile. Like there's things to work with with Colin Kaepernick. And he says, and Kaepernick sucked his last season in the NFL. Yeah, Niners went four and twelve. Had a solid touchdown interception ratio, but they still went four and twelve. I'm with you. I, I'm I'm with you. I would take Colin Kaepernick today over Mac Jones. I mean, you know what? I'll do a segment one of these days if I just want to bore the audience, which I don't want to do that. You know, the fact you've taken time out of your days to to, to watch or listen to carving it up, I don't want to bore you to death. I, my my job is to put on a good show and just listing Mike White and Cooper Rush and just listing a bunch of backups, bunch of guys I'd take over Mac Jones. Okay, that that's 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 no fun. But the point is, he's 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 just simply, objectively not a good quarterback. He's not. By the way, I uh, bear. Let me. Can I pull up Barry's comment again from earlier? Uh, hold on. He says the system is rubbish. I don't totally disagree with that. An old forty-two-year-old Tom Brady won twelve games with that system. Twelve games. Check, check Tom Brady's receiving core from 2019 and tell me it is not identical from a talent perspective to what the Patriots have. And Tom won the division, won 12 games. At 42. Now, I know it's the greatest quarterback ever, but that was not Tom's best season. Now, a lot of that was because of what happened around him, but that's that, that's where we're at. <laughs> uh, Ryan says, I take Uncle Rico <laughs> over Mac Jones. I agree with you there, too. No question about it. Man, I take... Uh, who else? Uh... Shane Falco over over Mac Jones. Uh, who did, the Rock was in that movie? Uh, the was see when I was a kid, I used to watch Disney Channel. What was this? Joe Kingman. Remember that movie, The Game Plan, with with Dwayne the Rock Johnson when he still had hair and he played the quarterback. He, he looked like Cam Newton, uh, you know, on the field. I'd take I'd take uh, the Rock over Mac. I'd take Keanu Reeves over Mac. Everybody. Yeah, Brian Brian likes the Shane Falco reference. There you go. Any movie quarterback you want. Okay, any of them. Whew, okay, I need, a, I need to take a chill pill. All right, we've got a loaded show today. I mean, it, this is, I love October in sports. Love it. Love it. Yeah, Joe Kingman. Yeah, take Joe Kingman. There you go. There you go, 100%. What, what was the saying? Uh, number one in the field, number one in your heart. I think that was, I think that was the saying, I think. I, I still remember that movie. That was, that was a good movie. Um, okay. Let's move on to a, actual, a quarterback who's actually good. <laughs> and, and this is like the AFC show. We go from Zach Wilson, who played really well, to Mac, who was awful again, now to two AFC East quarterbacks, one who was 
excellent and one who was eh, kind of had a shaky afternoon. Uh, talking about the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. A game that I and a lot of folks hyped is kind of the best game of week four. Uh, certainly got off to a start. Miami, I'm sorry, Buffalo scored in its first drive. Miami scored in its next drive. The Buffalo scored. The Miami scored. And we're like, oh man, we're about to get a we're about to get a track meet here. And then Buffalo's defense shows up and absolutely shuts Miami's offense down uh, for the rest of the afternoon. The Bills won convincingly, 48 to 20. Uh, Josh Allen was absolutely spectacular, 21 to 25 for 324 touchdown passes, QBR of 89, and a perfect passer rating perfect passer now again i don't know how to didn't get a perfect passer rating last week i, I check is i don't know how he didn't get a perfect passer rating but josh allen him getting a perfect passer rating have no qualms about that whatsoever he was awesome no question about it uh Tua was a little shaky again at a, a touchdown a pick pass rating at 92 again so Tua wasn't terrible uh but miami's offense was was completely completely shut down uh in the second half that football game only six points and then that was that was pretty much all she wrote for for this matchup so Folks know, or at least folks that watch my NFL preview show with my man Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk, check his stuff out on Sunday mornings. Um, I did a prediction show, and neither of us were high on Buffalo. I, I actually picked Buffalo. That was kind of my bold prediction of the season to miss the playoffs at 9-8 and eight in the AFC East. And I don't know if I'm quite as confident about that pick right now, given the fact that they're 3-1 and one and they're playing excellent football following that loss to the New York Jets on Monday Night Football uh, in Week 1. They're playing excellent uh, excellent ball. Josh Allen has been basically by every metric since Week 2, albeit it's a small sample size, but he's first in passer rating, first in completion percentage, first in touchdowns overall. Josh Allen's been outstanding. And he's looked every bit like a top-five quarterback in the stretch. However, am I quite willing quite ready, rather, to buy into the Bills as legit contenders in the AFC? No, I'm not. We've seen this movie before. They started 4-1 back in 2021, kind of floundered at one point in the season, got into the playoffs, beat the the dog, you know what, out of New England and Mac Jones, and then lost that heartbreaker against Kansas City, lost the divisional round. Last, week, last year, even better, and Josh Allen was, was awesome at the start of last year as well. They start 6-1. and one. They got wins over the defending champion Rams when we thought they were still good. They beat the Titans. They beat Kansas City. I mean, that, that was some, in Kansas City, by the way, some signature signature, signature wins on that schedule, on, on that opening, uh, that, that first part of the schedule. They're 6-1, and one, and then they kind of flounder offensively in the second half of the season. Josh Allen turns the ball over. They barely escape Miami with freaking Skylar Thompson at quarterback, and then they get walloped by the Cincinnati Bengals in the divisional round of their season ends in um, – in pretty disappointing fashion, to say the very least. It is totally fair of me, totally fair of me, to say, I got to see them do it. Because the Buffalo Bills, one could argue that outside outside of the Dallas Cowboys, and we understand there's always hype for the Cowboys because they're the Cowboys. Outside of the Dallas Cowboys, I don't know if there's if there's been any team in football that's been as hyped up as the Bills have the last two to three years. But not it, it isn't, you know, for lack of good reason, Stephon Diggs is awesome. The Bills' defense is incredible. Josh Allen is an incredible talent who has an unbelievably high ceiling when he's on, when he's at his best. Now, when he's at his worst, it can be a little ugly, but when he's at his best, he can go toe-to-toe with even the best, including Patrick Mahomes, as we've seen in the past. But we've seen this twice. I don't think it's unfair of me to say, let's see them do it. It's kind of like with the Denver Nuggets. I remember talking about this when the Nuggets beat the Lakers, swept the Lakers, and got to the finals. And Michael Malone was, and I don't necessarily even blame Mike Malone for doing this, but Mike Malone went to the media and was talking about, hey, you guys were talking about the Lakers this whole time, and nobody believed in us, da-da-da-da-da. I said, 
okay, that's fair, and you are more than justified to take your victory lap. You did sweep the Lakers, and you got to the NBA Finals. You should take your victory lap. You you won. We lost. As somebody picked the Lakers to win that series, but I remember saying on that next show, I said, "Time out, time out, coach." We've seen the Lakers do this in the last three years. We've seen Phoenix get to a Finals in the last few years. Denver's had good regular seasons and then kind of floundered in the playoffs to a certain extent, just lost to better teams. They break through, hats off to them. And, and by the way, next year in the playoffs with the Nuggets or the one or the two seed, there's going to be a lot of people picking Denver, even in the preseason, to go back-to-back to win the championship, for Jokic to have another great year, another maybe MVP run, and Jamal Murray and it's probably going to be an all-star this season. Denver's going to be really, really successful. And a lot of folks may pick them, assuming they're healthy, to win the championship once the playoffs roll around next April. Because we've seen them do it. That's not to say you, if you are a Buffalo Bills believer, are wrong in in, in believing them to go on this run. I'm just the type of person that given the postseason failures, in, including last year, a colossal failure, I got to see them do it first. Again, only one conference title game appearance in the Josh Allen era. Just one. So... Big time win yesterday, and they deserve all the props in the world. They are absolutely, spoiler alert, Bryson's best 10 to, uh, on, on Wednesday's show, which I do every Wednesday. Buffalo will move higher than 10th on my list. I said, if they beat Miami, they are, they are flying up my top 10 list. Because I, I still think Miami's excellent. I wouldn't overreact too much if I'm a Dolphins fan. Who does Miami have next week uh, on their schedule? The Dolphins play the Giants. They sh- they're nine and a half point favorites against the Giants. I don't know. Nine and a half feels like a little much, but the Giants will be in a short week, so we'll see. So the, the, they, they should be in good shape uh, to win that game at home. So still think Miami's excellent. I need to uh, clearly work out some kinks on the defensive side. But if you're the Buffalo Bills, you should feel great about your team. You should feel confident about your defense. By the way, a defense that's probably going to get Von Miller back this week. Josh Allen has been, in the last three weeks, the best quarterback in football. But once we roll to December and certainly January, I need to see him do it. That's not to say you, if you believe in the Buffalo Bills, are wrong in believing them. But for me, given the some bad playoff performances, awful playoff performances against Kansas City back in 2020, against Cincinnati last year, heck, against Miami last year in the game that they won. And I got to see what they do the rest of the regular season, too, if we're being completely fair and honest. So hats off to the Bills. They deserve all the credit in the world. I still don't think they're better than Kansas City. Uh, I still, now, it's hard to say they're they're not better than Miami. They beat them you know, by four touchdowns, so probably you know, put that to the side for the moment. I think Baltimore's better than them, as much as that sickens me as a Steelers fan to say. But they're, clearly, I, I think it's, they've got a very good shot to make the playoffs. Um, I mean, the three and one, it's, it's, it's good to, some kind of collapse to miss the playoffs. Uh, by the way, they got Jacksonville. That's going to be so good. Jacksonville, Buffalo next week in London. Jackson, I'm sorry, Buffalo's a five-and-a-half-point favorite for the record uh, next week uh, in the AM here in the United States of America. That'll be a fun one. Josh Allen versus Trevor Lawrence. That's a heck of a quarterback matchup if I do say so myself. Von Miller may be back in that game as too. So, great for the win for the Bills but I got to see him do it like late season. As for Miami, no need to overreact. They'll be fine. Uh, There's still a great offense. Might be Daniel will adjust, but they do need to improve the defensive side, which with Vic Fangio, Vic Fangio as their DC, they should be able to, to iron that out. And if not, maybe be active at the trade deadline for a pass rusher. I mean, it couldn't hurt. Uh, Real quick, let's go over the rest of the NFL uh, games this week. So 
Uh, let's, let's, let's check uh, the, the others before, cause I want to, I wanted to get into Colorado USC. I want to talk about drew holiday, that trade, predict the baseball playoffs and uh, predict the, the Seahawks and, and giants game tonight. But as I always do, let's look at the other games. Oh, let's get this one over with first. Okay. So my Steelers lost 30 to six against the Houston, Texas before I get to Pittsburgh. It's like, as you'd imagine, I have a lot of thoughts of the Pittsburgh Steelers for Houston. First and foremost, though. So I really liked the D'Amico Ryan's hiring when they made it happen. Uh, he's 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 young. He's energetic. Uh, he's obviously he was a, he was an excellent player back in you know when he used to play, particularly with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I think that's who he played most of his career with. But good offensive mind. He was great in San Francisco. Those players swore by him. So I thought it was a good move by by the Houston Texans. And again, the mark of a great coach, especially taking over a rebuilding situation, is that they look better and better every week. They have. Again, we talk about Mac Jones getting worse and worse every week. Jordan Love, to a lesser extent than Mac, but getting worse every week. Houston's the exact opposite. Kind of a dud against Baltimore in week one. Baltimore's kind of a set culture. They know who they are. Tough, tough matchup for CJ Stroud and the whole the whole Texans offense and Texans team in general. Week two, hey, they played hard with, with the Indianapolis Colts. Division rival just came up a little short. Last week, went into Jacksonville's house, went to Trevor Lawrence's house, and smoked them. And then at home, smoked my Steelers. So... I was a big C.J. Stroud guy in the draft. I said I, I didn't think he had the highest ceiling. I thought that was Anthony Richardson, uh, who I came to like more and more as the, the training camp of the preseason wore on. But listen, I think C.J. Stroud's a, a big athlete. He's relatively mobile. He's got an excellent arm. He's more accurate than I initially gave him credit for. He made some, he was solid. He was pretty accurate at Ohio State. But I was kind of the guy like, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to be accurate when you're throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jig. But like, I got to see him do it in the NFL. He is. Tank Dell got involved. Dalton Schultz, uh, the kid, uh, was it Nico Collins was the guy who just made every big third down catch in this football game. Uh, CJ Stroud's the real dude was excellent. For those of you who want to know his numbers, uh, 16 for 30, so a little over 50% completion, but 306 uh, yards passing, two touchdowns, no turnovers, QBR of 76, and a pass rating of 111. So he was outstanding, uh, deserves all the credit in the world. Got some help from his running game. Uh, so props to the Houston Texans. I don't, I'm not exactly going to say they're a steal, I'm sorry, they're a, a, a playoff team or they're going to win the AFC South. I'm still rolling with the Jags to do that. Uh, more on the Jags uh, a little later, actually, or right after this game. But props to Houston Texans. Um, they made the right... Car Carolina, and I liked... And again, I liked Bryce, but the size concerned me. It was the size for small quarterbacks historically, even in a today's league when it's a quarterback's league. Small quarterbacks historically aren't successful. It's just harder when you're that size, especially when you're Bryce's size. I mean, Bryce, Bryce Young literally looks about my size. And I'm not a big guy, in case you can't tell on camera. I try to mask that as much as possible. But the point is, props to Houston Texans. Will Anderson looked great yesterday, too. Their third pick, they're in good shape. As for my Pittsburgh Steelers, I won't be too long-winded, I promise. I promise. Just give me two minutes, three minutes or so. Um, I said earlier about Mac Jones, I don't know what more the Patriots, and in particular Mac Jones defenders, need to see to move on from Mac. And the same question and the same statement certainly applies to this situation. Um, how do I put this as mildly as possible? What more does Mike Tomlin need to see to move on from Mac Canada? What is it? Pittsburgh's offense against a Houston, Texas defense has been up and down, kind of struggled a little bit was abysmal. 
coming off a solid offensive performance last week against Vegas. Kenny Pickett, who God bless him, got hurt in the game, was was inefficient, was inaccurate, barely threw for 100 yards, threw a bad interception, QBR of 18, pass rating in the 50s, just a bad performance, and now you got poor Mitchell Trubisky coming in there, and I like Mitch as a backup, but uh, Mitch is not starting quarterback in the NFL consistently, low in starter, high in backup, as I call them. You have a situation where you get in the red zone multiple times in this football game, particularly in the second half uh, against Houston. You struggle to move in the first half, get something going in the second half. Here's my question. Um, I get George Pickens had the drops. I do. How does George Pickens have three catches for 25 yards? Why are you getting the ball to him out in space, taking shots down the field? Kenny Pick again, I think Kenny is... I like him. I said last offseason, li even during the draft process, when I wasn't even a Steelers fan, I'm like, I like him. He's mobile. Accuracy is a little bit of a concern, but that can improve. The, you can get better at that. We saw Josh Allen do that. We saw Lamar Jackson do that. Uh, much bigger talents than, than, than Kenny is, but he, that's something you can improve on. Um, but he, I'm like, okay, he's going to a stable organization, Pittsburgh. They've got a good success with uh, success rate with quarterbacks historically. I know a lot of fellow Steel my fellow Steelers fans are crushing Kenny today. And again, it looks like a report came in from Diane Rossini just a few minutes ago that there's no structural damage to his knee, which is great news. Uh, so he should be back, you know, maybe in a few weeks. We'll see. Um, I refuse to make a final judgment on Kenny Pickett until he gets an actual NFL OC. I, I'm not going to do it until I see him with a guy who actually knows how to call, play, call plays in the National Football League. Matt Canada was at LSU as a coordinator. He was bad in college. You're telling me he's going to get promoted at the end of We historically, how many college coaches, great college coaches, Nick Saban, Steve Spurrier, and Lane, I don't think Lane Kiffin's in that group, but Lane Kiffin's a really good college coach. We've seen plenty of guys coming to the NFL. Most guys don't end up like Jimmy Johnson or John Harbaugh. Most great college coaches come into the NFL, and it's, it's a culture shock. It's a totally different game, totally different players. Management's different. It's, it's just different. It might as well be a different sport. It's hard to adjust to. I've never, never, that's why the Cliff Kingsbury hiring by the Cardinals years ago made no sense to me, and we saw that panned out. I've never seen a coach get hired out of college, an unsuccessful coach, and be great in the NFL. Anybody in the comments who knows of any examples, feel free to, to, to chime in, let me know who they are. Matt Canada wasn't a good college offensive coordinator. What, what the heck makes me think he's going to be good in Pittsburgh? With a limited offensive line and a quarterback who does absolutely have limitations, though I like him, though I like some of his upside from a mobility standpoint. I don't think Kenny Pickett is special. I don't think the Steelers are exactly going to win a Super Bowl with Kenny Pickett. And if that's the if that's the standard of Pittsburgh, which it is, they have six you know Lombardi trophies to show for it, then he may want to consider moving on. But not until. Not until we see him with a true, legitimate guy who knows how to call, call plays with the weapons they have in Pittsburgh because you can't tell me that offense is devoid of talent. You can't tell me George Pickens and Najee Harris and Jalen Warren and Calvin Austin are just bums. It's um, I mean, and Mike Tomlin has, and I love, that's my guy. It's part of the reason I became a Steelers fan. Love Mike Tomlin. But Mike Tomlin's out here talking after the game. Hell yeah, change is going to be made. Well, then make him. The change is right there. It, it is. It is so. Listen, I'm a. I'm a. I'm a new Steelers fan. Okay, I'm a new Steelers fan. Became a fan in, in, in July. It's my lifelong team. Uh, from this point on, it is maddening to see 
listen, CJ Shroud's more talented than, than Kitty Pickett. That goes without saying. We, we, we know that. But seeing a young, innovative offensive coordinator, Houston has good weapons. And I've said Houston's weapons are, are better than people give them credit for. We're seeing that the last couple of games. Houston does not have better weapons than Pittsburgh. You cannot convince me of that. I probably went over three minutes there. I, I'm not. I wasn't even checking. I have a clock here. Show me how long my stream. I, I I don't know if I went over three minutes. It is, wow. I I don't know what to say. I I honest to God, I don't know what to say. My goodness, Parnell. Maybe Parnell has answers. Uh, host the Commanders Man podcast. Had a great show earlier today. Parnell says CJ Stroud is that dude. That he is. He looks great. He's the front runner today in Vegas, and rightfully so to be the offensive rookie of the year. He he looks excellent. And Parnell says, Stroud is changing the narrative of Ohio, of Ohio State quarterbacks. Previously, Ohio State quarterbacks haven't panned out well. CJ proving doubt is wrong. Offensive rookie of the year. Absolutely. He, he looks like just that thus far. There's no question about it. Okay, he's going to, you're going too far here, Parnell. You're going, you're going too far. At some point, we got to talk about who's the better QB, Stroud or Lawrence. It's Lawrence. It's Lawrence. And did I forget to mention, it is also, it's Trevor Lawrence. Okay? Trevor took over a situation in Jacksonville that was infinitely worse than, than the situation was in Houston. Once he got a good coach... And okay weapons. Okay weapons last year. Because Calvin really wasn't even a Jag last year. Or he was, but he was suspended. And Trevor takes his team from the depths of the division to a division title. Comes back from 27-0 down on the Chargers. And then um, uh, and then loses that game to Kansas City. But he was he got some drops. He's still getting some drops. Jacksonville looked good yesterday. I'll get to them in literally just a second. Um, Parnell says, I disagree with you on the weapons part. You need a quarterback. Again, uh, I, I don't... I think the weapons are really talented. Parnell, Najee Harris is a thousand-yard guy. Jalen Warren, every single time Pittsburgh gets in the ball in space, on the rare occasions they do, he makes plays. He's elusive. Uh, he's a young player. He's kind of like a poor man. I wouldn't even say a poor man's. He's kind of like what the Cowboys had with Tony Pollard, like just a good, elusive uh, guy. Can run between the tackles from time to time, running back, but is better out off tackle in space. Uh, Jalen Warren's talented. We've seen what we've seen what George Pickett's could do when you get the ball in his hands. He is special when he's a top five talent. Whether he'll get to that remains to be seen. But he's a top five talent in the NFL at that position. Uh, so they're absolutely misusing misusing the weapons. You need a quarterback. Maybe uh, maybe we do. Parnell, I can't. How did Tua look his first two years in the NFL? Had his moments. So was Kenny Pickett. Once Tua got Mike McDaniel. 100, 100 passer rating last year, 100 passer rating this year. He asked, do you think Trevor's top three? Uh, he hasn't played like a top three quarterback. Give it time, Parnell. It's week four. Jags won yesterday. And speaking of the Jags, beat Atlanta 23-7. Covered like I thought. They were, I actually thought the game would be closer because I don't really love Jacksonville's defense. Haven't liked what I've seen. Uh, but I guess if Atlanta has Desmond Ritter at quarterback, it's kind of it's kind of, uh, it's kind of tough to, to use. Um... It's just kind of tough to get anything off going offensively, but Trevor's fine. 207 touchdown, pass rating over 100, good QBR. So, like, Trevor was really good yesterday. Didn't have it. It was a situation where his defense was playing great, so there's no need to take no need to take a, a bunch of big risk. Atlanta, I still think Atlanta, I like Atlanta's upside defensively. Whether or not they can reach that remains to be seen. But good win by the Jaguars. By the way, I don't have ESPN Plus. I don't have ESPN Plus. I do have Disney Plus, though. And I got to say, watching the Toy Story broadcast of that game, if you didn't see, I, I, I don't even know if it's still on Disney+, Plus, but the Toy Story live broadcast where they they made the Jags and Falcons players like toys in Andy's room on like a, like a playmat football field type of situation. Uh, 
it was weird, but I'm not gonna lie, it was actually kind of cool. I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, as a, as a Toy Story fan growing up, heck, still is a Toy Story fan. Shouldn't have made Toy Story 4, by the way. Should have ended it with 3. But I, I, I kind of liked it. It was nice. It was nice. I liked it. It was, it was a cool way to do it. Uh, Parnell, Tua was a way better quarterback coming out of college than Pickett. Only concerned with Tua's health. That, that, that's fair. I'm just talking about, you know, Mac Jones was a better quarterback in college than the Kitty Pickett. Mac Jones is terrible. Okay, so it... it, it I, I'm not going to use college as an example in terms of comparing them, especially when we've got NFL data with Tua, not as much with, with Pickett. Um, again, I don't. I, I want to be clear on this, guys. I don't think Kenny Pickett is special. Honest to God, I don't. And maybe maybe the Steelers should look within and say, well, if we don't think we can win a Super Bowl with this guy, we probably should move on. At least, at least give him a shot. At least give him a shot with a real OC. At least, I mean, yeah. Whew. Don't get me worked up. Philip, what are your uh, your thoughts on Puka Nakua? Kid is special. Yeah, darn right he's special. How about 39 catches through four games? That's the most, I think it's the most by a rookie in the history of the NFL. Uh, and he's leading the NFL in catches right now. Had the game winning touchdown yesterday against the Colts. Uh, that was a game I actually picked Indianapolis to win. And I was feeling good about myself when they came back from 23 down. Anthony Richardson was great in the fourth quarter. But props to Matthew Stafford, props to Puka Nakua. Uh, going to be interesting for the Rams. They're 2-2 two and two now. Going to be interesting. Cooper Cup, I think, according to Sean McVay, is going to be ready to go pretty soon. So once you get my, my twin out there, Cooper Cup with Puka Nakua, hey. I don't love the Rams' offensive line or running game. Not running, I'm sorry. Or their... Um, uh, you know, especially up front in between the in between the tackles. I have some questions there. Um, they actually the running game is actually awesome yesterday. You know, 164 yards and 36 carries for almost five yards a clip. Uh, but Stafford was really good uh, against the rush for the Colts. Uh, yeah, Nakua is outstanding. Uh, Philip, I, I I love him. He came out of nowhere, but he's he's a real deal. There's always there's always one rookie every year that comes like who's this kid? Oh, he's like a fourth fifth round pick out of. A school like he played, I think he played at BYU, if I'm not mistaken. But we'll have this kid come out of, I don't know, Western Kentucky. Like we've heard of the college or, or like a, maybe a Notre Dame or something. We're like, dang, this kid's pretty good. He's, he's solid. Uh, Parnell, thoughts on Jimmy Butler's hairdo? I expect nothing more, nothing less from Jimmy. He came out with the dreads last year. Now he comes up with, with like, I don't know what that is. I don't know if he's trying to do like the the old school, um, like the goth look almost, uh, maybe not that strong, but he's, listen, J Jimmy is, he, he, listen, Jimmy's just fooling with us, you know, Jimmy's gonna come out, come back with his regular hairdo, probably by the time the season starts or two weeks in, and then that picture is gonna be his, I mean, he has some piercings in there too, that's, and that's gonna be his player picture for the rest of the season. It's, listen, Jimmy's a fun guy, Jimmy loves Miami, uh, Miami loves Jimmy, you know, it's a great relationship. Patrick Brown, also the Grid Network, hosts the Chaotic Sports Podcast. He says, did I miss the memo of an early show? I'll have to go back and watch the beginning. Yeah, I, like I said, it got some, you know, celebrating my, my dad's birthday tonight. Going to go out and uh, to a you know, nice restaurant, grab some, you know, get some dinner, spend some time with him. Uh, but I want to do an early show. I want to do a live show. And so, uh, you know. If I have to pre-record, I'll pre-record, but in, in the situation where I can do it live, then I've got to do that. What other games we have? We have Broncos-Bears. Big-time comeback by the Broncos. Down 21. Russell looked really good. Uh, uh, a pass rating of 133 through three touchdowns. Um, listen, Matt Eberflus, that call to go for it on fourth and one when he had an opportunity to kick the field goal for the lead. No idea what he's thinking. But, hey, Denver got their first win the Sean Payton era. Hasn't been all, all that successful in era thus far, but first first game. 
And um, props to the Broncos. I picked them to win the game. It was my it was my uh, uh, Bryce's bleak bet game. So I'll take it. I'll take it. I had a solid week of picks. Not great, but solid. Uh, Parnell, baller of the league, Khalil Max, six sacks in one game. Darn right. My Lord. And he had five sacks. I remember that game. He had five seconds against the Broncos years ago. He was outstanding in that one. Uh, definitely a great pass rusher. Phillips says, Jimmy is the class clown that everybody loves. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Everybody, you, can, you can't help but love Jimmy. And I love, you know what I love too, folks, is that Jimmy's image just four years ago was like, oh man, he's he's tough. He's kind of a locker room guy. Like, yeah, Jimmy's kind of, he's a little bit of a headache. And well, now these he goes to a culture that embraces him and actually knows a thing or two about winning. Unlike, you know, Minnesota and, and Philadelphia. Now he goes to winning culture in Miami. Now you see that, you know, the team needs that. You know, need need, need a guy to kind of get in, in, into your butt from time to time. Ravens beat the Browns 28-3. Browns didn't have Deshaun Watson with the shoulder injury. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who had a really good preseason, had a rough afternoon with three picks. Uh, Lamar was really good. couple touchdown passes. Pass rating in the 140s. Uh, Ravens running game was great. Again, doing it against a great Browns defense with Noah Odell Beckham Jr. I said last week, I said, I know the Ravens lost. I know they lost, but I, I still had them as a top five team in the league because they had Ronnie Stanley coming back. They had Marcus Williams coming back. Wins just with the doctor order. So Ravens right now, the top of the AFC North. Uh, my upset of the week was incorrect. I had the Panthers of the Vikings. I felt great when Kirk Cousins threw that 99-yard pick six, but Bryce Young struggled against, again, a bad Carolina, I'm sorry, against a bad Minnesota defense. His offensive line really struggled. That's going to be something Carolina's got to address this offseason. But hey, Minnesota gets their first win. I still think they're, I still think they're in a, a, like a mini tank, like a mini tank. I just don't think they know it quite yet. The Vikings next week have Kansas City. That one potentially could get ugly. Uh, Bucks beat the Saints. Hey, never been a Baker guy. Props to Baker. Looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. Completion percentage good. Three touchdowns against a really good Saints defense. Look good. Tampa's three and one. Now, Derek Carr, I'm not gonna, people are going to get on Derek Carr today. I'm not going to get on too bad. Listen, he played hurt. I, I don't think he should have played, to be completely honest with you. I, I predicted this game, assuming Jameis Winston was going to play last week. I did take the Saints. Obviously, I was wrong on that. But I don't know if I love it. Again, hindsight's 2020. If Carr had played amazing, you know, you like, hey, good decision by the Saints. Good decision by Carr. But uh, I probably would have rested if that were Derek Carr. The Saints have the Patriots next week. And who does Tampa Bay have? Tampa Bay, again, a three and one. It, I have them winning three games all season. They're definitely going to surpass that. They've got, oh, tough. They got a tough one next week, y'all. Uh, they got the Detroit Lions. I'm not, I'm not going to play the kneecap soundbite. That's only reserved for Detroit Lions wins. But rest assured, there will be a lot of those. Eagles beat the Commanders in one of the most entertaining games today. So, you know, you can turn the show off now, Parnell. I don't want to, I know that was a rough one for you as a, as a Washington fan, but. Uh, yeah, literally. <laughs> yes, Parnell. I blame Bryson for jinxing the commanders. I just picked them to cover, Parnell. Okay? I picked them to cover. I didn't pick them to win outright. I actually thought about that being my upset of the week. Uh, here's my, here's my reaction. So, Philadelphia was, was really good. This was probably Philadelphia's best offensive performance of the season. Um, Jalen Hurts was good. A.J. Brown was a monster yesterday. And Philadelphia's pass defense is still the weakness of that team. That's... I. I don't know if that's going to be something they're able to address maybe at the trade deadline or otherwise, but Sam Howell was awesome yesterday. Led that touchdown drive through the the tying touchdown pass. Who was it to? Uh, was it was it uh, Dotson? Yeah, do through the game tying touchdown pass to Dotson. I hate, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. I get it, I get it, I get it. I hate Ron Rivera kicking the extra point there. Hate it. Because you run the risk now, and I get Washington got the ball to start overtime and didn't do anything with it. But you run the risk that you, you kick the ball back to Philadelphia and they go right back down the field and 
you know, as it turned out, when Philadelphia did end up getting the ball, albeit on the second possession of the overtime period, they got the game-winning field goal by by Jake Elliott to, to win it and get to 4-0. But, uh, listen, Washington is pieces. They, they, they do. I, Sam Howell's better than I thought. I, I, I like Sam Howell as like a... Kind of, again, sort of the Mitch Trubisky, like a low-end starter, high-end backup. He still might be that. Again, it's only four games, but thus far, Eric Bieniemy calling plays, the weapons Washington has. O-line's been solid. He looked good. But I reject what Parnell, I reject what you're saying, Parnell. Jinx the commanders. I just picked out a cover. Come on, man. Pa uh, Patrick, Carolina's regretting not taking CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson. Houston's 500 and only getting better. Those red helmets, those red helmets are nice. I, I agree. They're, they're, they're all right. Titans <laughs> dominated the Bengals. Um, do I look crazy now last week after saying I still don't believe in Cincinnati to, to be a contender? The only, as bad as that offensive line is, the only avenue for the, the only avenue for the Bengals to contend for Super Bowls with that bad offensive line or compete for a Super Bowl this year is if Joe Burrow's healthy. He's not. He's not. And by every metric, and again, I'm not going to be hard on Burrow because he's he's injured. And that calf is bothering him bad. You could see it on the sideline, the grimaces. It's it's rough. When you have a situation where you're playing the Rams, and obviously your defense is 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 really good, really talented, and of course they play as, as well as they did, you could have won that game with who's their backup again? I know AJ McCarron, the the former Bengal they signed to the roster. I forgot who their backup was. He could have won that game with him. Again, that's not two straight weeks. Joe doesn't have a touchdown pass. And by every metric metric imaginable, you know, I talk about the last three weeks, Josh Allen's been the best quarterback. Last three weeks, Joe Burrow's been the worst quarterback. Now, I still think he's outstanding. I don't, and I'm not going to sit up here and say Joe Burrow's trash. Now, he's not. He's great when healthy. They rushed him back. Um, why they're continuing to play him is beyond me. I'm, so, again, love Joe. They'd have had a better chance with the backup to beat Tennessee yesterday. They would have. Uh, three points. Give Burrow a breather. Again, these were the games you had to win to, to, to put yourself in a position to make the playoffs. Again, I repeat, Cincinnati's upcoming schedule. After this, they got at the Cardinals next week. Uh, watch out for Arizona. After that, Seahawks. Then they got a bye. At the Niners. Home against the Bills. Home against the Texans. That's a, that's a dicey one. At the Ravens. Home against the Steelers. At the Jaguars. Home against the Colts. Home against the Vikings. And... At the Steelers, at the Chiefs, home against the Browns, who, who Joe Burrow struggles badly against. These are the games he had to win now. This is the opportunity just to rest Burrow. They're going to play him next week against Arizona. They shouldn't, but they will. Bad mismanagement at the quarterback position. Phillip, what would you do as the Bengals right now? Rest, put, sit Burrow. If, if just for one week, sit him. Sit him against the Cardinals. Seattle, that'll be a tough one to win, but your best, how about this? How about this? So the Bengals are one and three. We, th we think they're still a great football team with a healthy Burrow. How about this? You sit Burrow this week. Again, I know Arizona's frisky and they play hard. The Bengals should win that game. They should. You win with your backup. You sit Burrow another week against Seattle. You'll probably lose that game and drop to two and four. Then you get a bye week, and then you play uh, the the 49ers. Is it 49ers? Yeah, 49ers. So that's on October 29th. You could give Joe Burrow four weeks off. Have him healthy, at least healthier, 
and ready to go for your toughest stretch of the season to try and make the playoffs. Instead, they're going to put a, a beat-up quarterback out there. This is why. This is exactly why the Bengals have been a laughingstock franchise until Burrow got there. It's like the, the kid that, you know, well, they say this is why we can't have nice things. You know, if the kid's like breaking stuff around the house, Burrow's hurt. Don't make, don't injure him further. I said this last week. Man, props to Titans, though. Good win for Tennessee. Two and two now. Derrick Henry was awesome. Vintage performance. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go too far into this one because it's obvious. Chargers barely beat the Raiders. They did cover, though. Thank God. Um, yet another bonehead decision. <laughs> it's a weekly occurrence by Brandon Staley. Fourth and one at your own 35. You, up seven, you go for it, and you get bailed out by your you, – you, you don't get it, and you get bailed out by your defense on another goal line pick. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It, it's – actually, I should say believable. Niners blew out the Cardinals. Christian McCaffrey was a man amongst boys. Four, touchdown, uh, four touchdowns on the day. Uh, sturdy Brock Purdy was awesome again because he is sturdy Brock Purdy. The man, the myth, the legend. So, good win for the Niners. Niners-Cowboys is going to be good. That's going to be a good one. A couple comments from Parnell. Chicago will try and get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. because Carolina traded to get the first pick and draft Bryce Young. Bad news, Bears. Well, that, that would be a... Who, who's Again, Chicago should have an easy schedule because they have a last-place schedule. Who do the Bears have next week? They're 0-4. Although Justin Fields, to his credit, looked good yesterday. At, at your commanders, Parnell, on Thursday Night Football, probably favor Washington to win mat, that matchup. Uh, he also says, Bryson, you have to convince Patrick and Barry that Dak Prescott will have an amazing game against San Francisco this Sunday night. Parnell, as the biggest Dak fan on earth, I'm not convinced of that, and it's not Dak's fault. It's The Niners' defense has made Hall of Famers look like scrubs. What they've done to Aaron Rodgers in the past, what they've done, they've made Matt Stafford at his peak look pedestrian. Uh, uh, who was they? They made Geno Smith, who had a great regular season look, Eh. Niners Cowboys would be good. I, I'm I'm leaning Niners right now. Again, if there's God forbid, knock on wood. We obviously hope this doesn't happen. But if there's like an injury or something that happens, you know, I I might you know switch my pick to Dallas. But um, uh, the Niners again. If you look at Dak's playoff resume, you say, oh my guy is two and four. He sucks. I'm like, every other game except against the Niners, Dak has played well. Literally, check the numbers in all of them. Green Bay, he was amazing. That that was might have been his best playoff or second best playoff game. Uh, went toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron got the ball last, made the play last, and the Packers won. Uh, he was great against Seattle, particularly in the fourth quarter. Um, he was really good against. wasn't great, but really good against the Rams. Just, just his defense couldn't could get a stop on Jared Goff and and the Rams. Uh, what was the next one? Uh, the Niners wasn't great again. I said made a one throw on fourth down to Cedric Wilson that should have been caught, but. That's neither here nor there, other than that, that Dak didn't play that well. The game against Tampa, he was otherworldly great in, five touchdowns. And then the game against the Niners the very next week, he was he was terrible. So, and Niners defense is good. And it's again, it's not an excuse of Dak. It's where this Niners defense is the best in football. It is. I thought it was Pittsburgh. It, it's the Niners. Parnell, Christian McCaffrey is my MVP. Interesting. Even though it's a QB award, you can make a compelling argument for him. You can. He's definitely the offensive player of the year right now. Um, let's see. MVP frontrunner would probably be either Josh Allen or Tua. Watch out for Trevor to get back in the mix, y'all. I'm, I'm telling y'all. Watch out. Patrick, I'm not too confident going into San Francisco. I'll hold my thoughts until midweek. 
I'm surprised, Patrick, and Cowboys fans and even Niners fans, if you're watching, that the line was as low as it was. Wasn't it Niners minus three and a half? I'm like, are you? T- I don't think these teams are in equal. Again, you're like, Bryce, you picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl. But if you remember, check check when I did the, the preview show last month. I said, I don't think they'll play with San Francisco. I think Detroit will beat San Francisco and shock the world because Detroit can score in any offense in football. The difference between Dallas and Detroit is Dallas is a better defense, albeit Detroit's is really good. Put some spec on the Lions name. By the way, put a Lions video out. Most viewed video ever on Carving It Up. What can I say? Lions fans love me. Okay? And they should. I've been defending their team, you know, since, since the spring. And I'm being validated on it. Okay. Uh, so away from the NFL until Seahawks Giants, I want to briefly talk about Colorado USC, which was sort of the most interesting game uh, from a certainly from a marketing standpoint of the college football uh, uh, college football season just of of last week because you obviously got Colorado primetime, all the celebrities that showed up. Paul Pierce was there, and and the baby was there. Uh, uh, Kevin Garnett, Kevin Gar- Kevin Garnett, big ticket was there. My man Lecrae was there. I mean, it was. The stars come out to Boulder, Colorado, and that is not a statement I ever thought would come out of my mouth. But it's the truth. That's what's happening right now. It's what Dion's doing. And they play USC, who has quite simply the best quarterback in college football and one of the greatest college football quarterbacks to ever step on a field. And Caleb Williams, who had a spectacular afternoon, had a bad pick in the fourth quarter, but 30 for 40, 403, six touchdowns. He was, he was awesome. I mean, he's the best quarterback in college football, and it's not particularly close. And he's the runaway number one pick in next year's draft. So... Quickly with USC, then I'll get to Colorado. Um, again, I, I don't need to tell you, Caleb. <laughs> again, I don't need to go further than, than than this on Caleb and say, oh, he's the best quarterback. Duh. Duh. I thought it was interesting what Joel Klatt, who's a great uh, announcer, what he was saying during the game and talking about how, uh, how Caleb Williams is the only quarterback prospect he's ever evaluated where there's not a hole in his game. He's got a massive arm. He's deadly accurate. He's mobile. He's got the whole package. He's he's good size, good intangibles, good leadership. Has everything. He's outstanding. Now, what's going to cost USC? I have I still have USC making the playoff. I did before the season. It's going to be tough. That game against Washington later this year is going to be a doozy. I, I love Penix Jr. I think I've, I've changed my opinion. I think today Penix is better than Drake May. I think Penix is probably the second best. Penix Jr. rather is the second best quarterback in in college football and probably the second best going into the draft next year. Love him. But what's going to cost USC is what's cost Lincoln Riley his whole college football life. That defense, Alex Grinch, is going to get him. And it sort of goes back. I was I was branching about Mike Tomlin not moving on from Matt Canada. At what point is Lincoln Riley going to going to see what's going on? And not move on from Alex Grinch. He's been with him since, I think he's been with him since his, he started Oklahoma back in 2017. Every single year, the defense is bad. And USC's defense, unlike Oklahoma's defenses back when he was with, with them, USC's got talent defensively. I, I, I said coming in this game, I said that front seven, I really like. There's some NFL players on it. Um, who's the one kid? Um, what's his name? I want to make sure I get his name. Um, oh, crap. Uh, Bear Alexander. Bear Love Bear Alexander, not just name. He's got a great like football name, Bear Alexander. He's a really good player, made some plays uh, on Saturday. It's the secondary for USC that's awful, and even the front seven didn't look particularly good. Um, that's going to be USC's undoing. They can score in every, any defense in the sports. Colorado doesn't have a great defense, especially with no Travis Hunter and no Shiloh Sanders, but still, though, the drop of 48 is not easy. It looked like they were going to score 60, which I predicted them to do on Friday, but that that's a, that's a legit... 
legit. That's the best offense in the country. The question is, they do, is their defense competent? If they had my Vols defense, that's the best team in America. Problem is they don't. By the way, great win by my Vols on Saturday. Loved it. Got some revenge on South Carolina. Shout out to my man, Grady Edwards. He's a big South Carolina fan. As for Colorado, so kind of an uneven offensive performance through three quarters, and then Shador came alive in the fourth. Shador, 30 for 45, 371, four touchdowns. He did have an interception uh, earlier uh, in the game. But listen, th and this goes to show you, again, there's no moral victories. Colorado would have much rather gotten the, an ugly W than a pretty loss. But Dion talked about it at the game. Like he said, these guys had multiple opportunities to quit, and they refused. Down 41-14. How much time is left in the football game at this point? There is... Okay, yeah, well, the, yeah, down 41-14. I said the fourth quarter. It wasn't actually a fourth quarter. It was mid-third quarter. Uh, USC scored a touchdown quickly, 41-21. USC scored again. So it was 48-21 uh, late third quarter. Then Colorado scored... Three out of, uh, scored two touchdowns, turnover and downs, scored one more time to, to make it a two-score game. Dion's clock management on that last Colorado drive was, was odd. I don't get it. Not only was he running the football, he was running it with no timeouts, and it was taking Colorado like 30 seconds to get to the line, get a playoff. Uh, that's, that's, and I love Prime. I think he's, a, forget the, 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 the media attention, all that. Prime's a good coach. His resume would show you that, but that was that was not one of his finest moments uh, thus far. Whether it's at Jackson State, whether it's at Colorado or anywhere else, he's coached. That was uh, very weird. I mean, Colorado got the ball back with uh, 5:58 left in the game, and no timeouts, and they scored with a minute 43. And again, no timeouts. They had to hope and pray they got an onside kick. They of course didn't. USC, you know, survived the game. But on the bright side for Colorado, you fought back. Uh, your defense, your defense stopped Caleb Williams in that in that USC offense the entire fourth quarter, held them scoreless. But listen, Colorado, I know people are saying, "Oh, they're gonna struggle to make a bowl game." The schedule's brutal. That was the two toughest games in their schedule. It was. Uh, they got Arizona State next week. They'll win that. Stanford. They'll win that. USC. UCLA is a little dicey, but I think they can win that. They'll probably lose to Oregon State. They'll beat Arizona. Lose to Washington State. Lose to Utah. So that's. Let's see, that's, they already got three wins, so that's four, five, six. I think they very well could beat UCLA seven. That's a seven and five team. Again, they didn't have Travis Hunter, didn't have Shiloh Sanders. They'll get both back, hopefully relatively soon. So there you go. Oh, yeah. Barry, don't nobody care about Paul Pierce. I'm just saying he was there at the game. I'm not a Paul Pierce fan either, but I'm just saying. Parnell, prime guarantee we wouldn't see the same performance like Oregon. Prime has made a huge difference for college football in general. Yeah, and I, and I thought Colorado would get blown out. I did. I, I I did. I thought they put up a better offensive performance, but I still think up front, and this is still a major concern for them, they do not have a good offensive line, and they don't have a good defensive line. That's going to be where Colorado addresses, or where, where Prime you know addresses that football team in the transfer portal and in recruiting. They'll be much better in those spots next year. Uh, they'll just have to work with what they got now. I mean, you got to realize there's still some players on that Colorado team that were with them last year when they when when they went one and eleven. They'll address it though. what do we got? Uh, Patrick's talking about the Cowboys. He said, we beat New England building momentum, but we're going up against the best defense of football with our shambled offensive line. It's going to be a very long night. Doesn't sound like you're all that confident, Patrick. I, I hate to hear that, but I can't, I can't argue about against this perspective. Parnell coming out of college. If Bryson were an NFL GM, would he take Caleb Williams or Trevor Lawrence? I'd take Caleb Williams, Parnell. I would, I, I, I would, uh, I, and I loved Trevor Lawrence out of the draft. I said he's going to be the best quarterback in this class. I thought he was a generational talent, the best we'd seen since Andrew Luck. 
Lawrence was a bigger and more mobile version of luck in my eyes. Caleb is, I don't, I'm not going to say he's as good as Mahomes or will be as good as Mahomes. Goes the right system. He absolutely can be. Absolutely. Um, he, he's a, I, I, I've never seen, he is like the, the Steph Curry of college football. Remember when Steph Curry, not when he came on the scene in 09, I'm talking about when Steph was in the midst of his second MVP season, was just almost breaking the game of basketball, at least we thought at that point. And we're like, how do, you, how do you stop this guy? Like, what are you supposed to do with that? Guy can pull from the second he steps across half court, he's a threat. Caleb's got, what's the defense against him? If you pressure him, he can move out and make plays. If you give him all the time in the world, he can make big-time throws to the pocket. Yeah, uh, Parnell, put your comment back up. If I were a GM, I'd take Caleb Williams. And I love Trevor. You guys know that. But I'd take Caleb. I really would. Patrick, USC has a Ute problem. Uh, they'll lose in the regular season in Pac-12. Pac-12 champion. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about Colorado for a second, uh, Patrick. I apologize. Uh, they'll lose the regular season and Pac-12 championship game uh, matchup. They have very, yeah, they very much struggled against Utah. That's been their bugaboo. Patrick also says, Shador played his tail off. You can tell Tom Brady's mentoring is paying off. No question about that. Once Warren Sapp gets there next year, I expect the defensive line to be even better. Yeah, Dion's put together a heck of a coaching staff, and there's no question he'll continue to do just that. But yeah, that, that they, they're, they're not good up front, and, and they'll address that uh, next offseason. But credits to the defense. Now, in fairness, Colorado did get a little lucky. When, when they were stopped on fourth down, they're down 14. We're kind of thinking, okay, this game's probably over. USC goes right down the field, get in the red zone. They stop them, and then the kicker misses a chip shot field goal to keep Colorado in the game. So he locked up a little bit yet in that game, but say, sometimes it's better be lucky than good. We, we know that statement goes. Shifting the NBA. Again, today is, folks, it's a packed show. It's a packed show. We haven't even got to the MLB playoffs. We haven't even got to that. But it's the NBA. And today happens to be media day. So I'm seeing, I saw... um. I gotta admit, I gotta admit to you, and I'll get then I'll get to Drew Holiday. Look, I think the Lakers are every bit of a contender in the Western Conference. I've been very vocal about that, even as a Warriors fan. That's that's a contender, no question about it. Anthony Davis might have had the best joke of the day. Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, David Spade—they got nothing on this guy. Sorry, this guy sounds so terrible, but I don't care. Anthony Davis was talking to the media today. Again, it's media day in the National Basketball Association. James Harden skipped, by the way. Of course. And Anthony Davis says, I, my goal is to play 82 games. First of all, the organization will not let him, nor should they. And two, could you get to, I don't know, could you get to 60 before we have that conversation? I mean, come on, like, don't, don't, don't take us for fools, AD. Come on, and listen, AD is a cool dude, great player at his peak. He's a great player. Um, that, 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 that's, that's wild. He's not playing 82 games. He's not. Uh, yeah, Parnell, thoughts on Harden skipping media day? It's, it's James Harden. It, it is. I tweeted earlier today. I said, James Harden's who we think, who, not we, because I, I don't consider myself part of this group. James Harden is who people thought Kevin Durant was. Like, ah, oh, he's just jumping from team to team. First of all, Katie had legit reason to leave Oklahoma City because of the Westbrook problem. Um, again, take the fact I'm a Warriors fan out of it. I don't get why he left Golden State other than the fact that, hey, he wanted a new challenge, which as a Warriors fan, as a KD fan, totally respect that. 
I just wish he hadn't gone to Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving, of all people. So he had legit reason to leave Brooklyn. And now he's in a stable situation in Phoenix. Do I buy the Suns this year? No, because they have an injury-riddled roster, or an injury-prone roster, rather, in terms of their star players. They have no defensive stopper, and they have no point guard. I don't buy the Suns this year. Have it since the beginning of the offseason, or at least since they added Bradley Beal uh, and gave up a, a ton of assets in doing so. Uh, but it's, it's who he is, Parnell. It's, it's, it's the same Harden. I mean, that's, it's now th the third time in three years that he's quit on a team. Houston, Brooklyn, Philly. That's who he is. Okay, you know, who's the common denominator? Okay, Houston's got a new head coach. They're looking up, uh, you know, in terms of their, their young talent they got. Who else is it? Brooklyn. Now, Brooklyn's not in a contender to contending situation, but they got a crap load of picks. Nice players. Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson. Got some nice Cam, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what's the guy's name? Cam, um. I'm forgetting his name. Cam Thomas, uh, who I really like, is, is a scoring machine at his best. So, And then Philadelphia. Philadelphia's always been dysfunctional. So with or without Harden, that's going to be the case. But, oh, well, that's kind of what we kind of come expect. But that aside, NBA Media Day aside, maybe I'll talk more about that on Wednesday's show. Drew Holiday was traded to the Boston Celtics. For the record, the deal, if I can pull this up here real quick, the deal was the Celtics got Drew Holiday, the Blazers got Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, and two first-round picks, which came from the Warriors in 2024 and the Bucks in 2029. So, uh, Portland, I will say this before I get to Boston, Portland is handling this whole Damian Lillard, sort of the domino effect of a trade, beautifully. They're handling it beautifully. They got a good haul for Dame. They got Drew Holiday, who they said, and it was made very clear by Woj and by everybody, they got Drew Holiday. They're going to move him. He's on the end of his contract. He's going to want to play for a contender. We can get a good package for him. We're, we're trying to build around this young talent we've got. So now they move Drew Holiday. Now they have Malcolm Brogdon, and now there's rumors they could trade Brogdon. So you, it's just, they're just, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. Like this Dame trade, when it's all said and done, I'm curious to see like what it nets them in total. So good job, really good job by Portland. By is it Mick Cronin, I think, is, or Joe Cronin, I apologize, is their, uh, is their general manager. Good job by him. Like he's, he's, he's handling this Dame situation beautifully. As for Boston. So look, I get it. Now, Brogdon, we assume they were pro they tried to trade Brogdon for, I think it was, I think Brogdon was part of the Porzingis trade initially, and then they they the Clippers didn't want him because the medical concerns there, and it just kind of fell apart. So Brogdon is now, you know, in Portland, he's probably going to be moved. So he was going to be moved from Boston anyway. Robert Williams, though, is the interesting piece because Robert Williams, kind of their starting big, great rim protector. I remember there was a point in time where when Robert Williams played, when they made that run to the finals back in 22, when Robert Williams played, they were they were already a great defensive team. They were darn near unstoppable on defense. And so now you're only reliable big as Al Horford. Are you sure you're going to play Porzingis at the five? I think that's a bit of a concern. Uh, I think Boston should go out and get a big in the buyout market, uh, you know, sometime around January, February, but that's, that's something they can address. Adding Drew Holiday for the Celtics now puts them on par, equal footing with the Milwaukee Bucks. It does. So I said when the Dane trade happened, okay, I said Milwaukee's got the best team in the league. They've got the team. They are the favorites to win the title. Giannis is worst case in my view, the third best player in basketball. Dame, to me, is a top 10 player. Man, averaged 32 a game last season. You still got uh, Chris Middleton, who's your now your number three option, which is great news if you're a Blazers fan. Excuse me. Uh, you got Bobby Portis. You've got uh, Brooke Lopez. You've still got shooting off the bench. I think they upgraded at head coach with, with Griffin. So Milwaukee's in great shape. But what does Boston do? 
they say, okay, we lost out in the Dame sweepstakes. There are reports that they might have been in it for, for a limited time. Now they go out and add Drew Holiday. And what does Drew Holiday supply? Not only does he, obviously his, his first objective, if and when the Bucks play the Celtics in the playoffs, and we assume, and we certainly hope, that if both teams are healthy, that's the case. Of course, he'll guard Dame, and Drew Holiday, to me, is the best defensive guard in the NBA since, since Tony Allen. Honest to God, I mean, lateral quickness, great length, anticipation, instinct, he's got it all. Drew Holiday is a great defensive player. Uh, again, I think best at his position in, in the NBA. So he'll, he'll take Dame and make things as tough as possible on Dame. More than that, though, what have I been saying about the Celtics for basically a year since they lost to Golden State in the finals? They've got the wing talent. They've got Tatum and Brown, and they've got the bigs. They've got the side. Bench is good. Man, they just need a point guard to get them in and out of sets. When things aren't going well, when the fit hits the shan, so to speak, a guy who can step in there, calm things down, and Holiday's capable of getting his own shot, but also getting the ball to Tatum, getting the ball to Jalen Brown, getting other guys involved in that regard. Now they have that. Marcus Smart was a great defensive player. He's not a point guard. He's he's not. Uh, if Memphis expects him to be that, they're in for a rude awakening during the jaw suspension, which is why I don't get them making that move, but that's neither here nor there. Derek White, he's more of a, he really is more of a two. He is. He, he's better as a two. He's, he's not a guy who's going to get you in and out of sets. The Celtics tried that. It didn't work when Brogdon went down uh, in the playoffs last year. They really struggled in that regard against Miami. I know he had the <laughs> the game winning tip in layup back in game six or in game six against the Heat, but it, it just didn't. It wasn't going to be something that they could sustain long term. They can now with Holiday. So now Drew Holiday is what your fourth option offensively. Now. The question, the wild card, the thing that's going to put the buck, I'm sorry, that's put the Celtics over the top or keep them from beating Milwaukee or whoever else may or may not come out of the, of the Eastern Conference, Kristaps Porzingis, that's the key. Tatum is amazing. He's top 10 player in the league, no question about it. Jalen Brown, in my opinion, is top 20, maybe 21-ish, but he's an all-star. He's a, he's a very good player, all-star level player. Now you got Drew Holiday. He's your defensive stopper at least on the perimeter, on the wing, and as a good... People forget, Drew Holiday's been a point guard on playoff teams in the past. Like, he's back in New Orleans and won a championship with Milwaukee as their point guard. It was just what the doctor ordered for them. Now he's in Boston. So you're good there. Got the got that his new assistant coach, Sam Cassell, who's got more of an input than maybe people give him credit for. Can Porzingis stay healthy? <laughs> and do they trust him enough to play the five? That, like, that's the thing that I look at if I'm a Celtics fan, and I'm a little, I don't love giving up Robert Williams. I'm fine with it to get Drew Holiday, but uh, I, I don't I don't know about that. If Porzingis is healthy, which last year he was relatively healthy, Wizards shut him. The reason he didn't play as many games as, as I'm somewhat implying is because the Wizards, when they were out of the playoff mix, just shut him down. Like, let's not get him injured. We're probably going to move him. Like, let's not let's not hurt our asset, basically. So he, he could have played 65-ish games, which is good for him. That's the component. Because Al Hor and I love Al. Love Al Horford. Even though he's a Florida Gator, I love Al Horford. But at this age and stage of his career, can you consistently trust him to be your solid big man, uh, you know, for on a night-to-night -night basis, he's going to be your starting center, likely to start the year with Porzingis playing the, the playing the four. I just that's my only concern. But as far as them just adding Drew Holiday, you guys know I've always loved Drew. Love it, 
Love this move by Boston. This this is the counter move to the team that got better than you, the Milwaukee Bucks. This is your move, your counter move. You get a guy who he's not going to lock up. Dame is amazing. Dame's a 30-point-per-game guy. You're not going to lock up Damian Lillard, just like you're not going to lock up Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, or Jokic. But you can make things harder on him. He's a better option on him than who else is their point guard? I don't know. I think Javon Carter signed with the Bulls, if I'm not mistaken. Who who else is going to guard Dame? I mean, they got to put Brown on him, Tatum. Eh, I don't love that matchup. Really, not. I don't really like it. I love this move by the Boston Celtics adding Drew Holiday. Really do. It kind of got buried again. It, it, it kind of got buried in the the whole situation with with the. Well, you know, it got it got buried because there was the morning game yesterday in the NFL, the Falcons Jags game, and then the, the the other NFL action, and we're just coming off the of the surprise and shock of the Dame trade and training camp. So it kind of just it was it felt like a a little story given the day that it broke, an NFL Sunday coming off a great college football Saturday. So it was wasn't that I guess hyped up, and obviously Drew Holiday is not the player Dame is, but he's still he's an all star. He at his best, he's an all star. And there, there came a point in time he was the Bucks' second best player, not Chris Middleton. Some of that was Middleton's injuries, but love this move by Boston. Uh, a couple comments. Uh, Patrick, who's a Lakers fan, has a excuse me has a Lakers podcast here on the grid. He says LeBron dedicating his twenty first season to Bronny. It's going to be an exciting season, and Bron is still playing a supreme high level in season twenty one. Again, he is I believe he's the greatest player ever. I, we're not going to have a discussion today. Those people in the, in the chat who disagree with me, I don't have time for that. Okay, I, we, we can do that another day. Just just not today. Let's just hold off for today. But yeah, I think LeBron's got a great season. And yeah, dedicating it to Bronny. And I saw LeBron actually said a few minutes before I went on the show today, I saw LeBron at his media availability say Bronny's good to go. He's going to play for USC this season, which is just great news. And... um you know, good for good for Bronny. Obviously, consider the scary health situation. What happened this summer? The fact that he's in he's in good health. He's gonna be ready to go for the Trojans is awesome to to, to hear. No question about it. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that, Patrick. He says LBJ for MVP. Austin Reeves will win Most Improved Player, make the All Star team this season. I don't know about that, Patrick. You got to realize you got to play sixty five games now to get MVP. The Lakers, whether LeBron's healthy or not, and the man is great as he is. He is in year twenty one. There is no. I promise you, you can you can book this. As Chuck would say, guarantee it. Except my guarantee is more accurate than Chuck's. Point is, LeBron is not going to play uh, 65. I promise you he's not playing 65 games. That's not an injury thing. That's going to be, maybe he has a little knick-knack injury and the Lakers like, it's it's a December game in Indiana. Who who cares about this game? Let's, let's rest LeBron. What you want LeBron, Austin Reeves may win most improved player. I think that all-star, uh, I don't know about that. I, and I really like Austin Reeves. Most improved players is a, is, a, is a possibility for him. I don't know if I, there's a lot of great guards in the, in the Western Conference. I mean, th- th- there are. Uh, so, I mean, Steph, Luka, I don't love Kyrie, but Kyrie is is, is, is obviously better than, than Austin Reeves. Um, yeah. LeBron's not winning MVP. Only because he's not playing 65 games. That's it. Uh, Patrick also says Miami is the biggest loser in the Dame sweepstakes playoff. Jimmy is the real deal, but who else is willing to tag along? Don't be surprised if Joel Embiid is linked to Miami next summer. He will be after this James Harden situation. He will be, um, he, 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 he needs a leader like jo- Joel. And it's, that's not, listen, some guys just aren't built to lead. That's not a knock on him. You know, don't be something that you're not. Kawhi Leonard was not a leader. He's the best player on the Raptors, but Kyle Lowry, uh, Mark Gasol, the veteran leadership they had there. That's kind of how Joel is. Now Joel's not as quiet as uh, as Kawhi, but you get the you get the point. Pa- uh, Patrick, let James Harden go to the Clippers. 
Let it happen. I want to see another diabolical disaster with the stepchild team. They'll never run a Laker town. Sincerely, sincerely, P5. Now, of course, they're not going to run LA. I don't like the Lakers, but they're not running LA. Patrick Porzingis doesn't want to doesn't move the needle for Boston win the title. I'd take Milwaukee over Boston, Philly, and Miami. Don't sleep on the Pacers. They got potential to make some noise in 2024. I I like the young pieces they got. I do. Uh, I I don't think I don't see them at all as a contender. But yeah, they can make the playoffs. Um, I don't like Atlanta at all. I, I'll do an NBA prediction show just like I did last year, just like I do with the NFL. I'll do that a couple weeks from now. Probably get a co-host, uh, you know, to do that uh, with me. So. Yeah, definitely stay tuned for that in a couple weeks. NBA is upon us, y'all. NBA is upon us. I know October basketball is about as, as, as boring as it gets, but got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. And as for the Golden State Warriors, I mean, listen, we got Chris Paul in the building. You know. Now, Draymond's out three to six weeks, which sucks. He pro- I, I doubt he's ready for opening night, but... Uh, yeah, let's just say the cancer in the locker room... Go, it's gone. Never to be seen again. It's like the what's the McConaughey line in 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 a, in a Wolf of Wall Street? It's not real. Uh, it's just it's fairy dust. It's gone. That exists anymore. There's nothing going on in the Golden State locker room. And that, my friends, is what held them back from winning a title last year. That and they were too young, and they addressed both of those concerns and problems. Uh, watch out for the Golden State Warriors, but y'all know that by this point. Okay, last couple segments. Try and get through uh, through them pretty quickly. So, uh, Major League, well, before I get to Major League Baseball, we got another, another comment? Yeah, Patrick says, I can't wait till Shaq and Charles get back on the air. If anyone needs a few laughs, check those guys out when NBA season starts. Yeah, they're, 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 they're the best. It's it's the best sports show on television, and it's not even particularly close. I watch a lot of shows out there, listen to a lot of podcasts, check out our podcast here on the Grid Network, y'all. But nobody does it better than Shaq, Chuck, Ernie, and Kenny. It's, it's the best Best group in, in in television. There's no question about that. Um, okay, so we got some Major League Baseball playoffs start tomorrow. Start tomorrow. We got a couple of, of game ones. Again, the last year, Major League Baseball added an extra playoff spot to the National League and the American League, which ended up year one making a huge difference because the Philadelphia Phillies, and I hate Philadelphia, but the Philadelphia Phillies were the sixth seed in, in the National League, which didn't exist just as, as recently as two years ago. And Philadelphia came within two wins of a championship. So, like, don't if you're looking at the playoff bracket and you're looking at teams, ah, the Blue Jays in the American League or the the uh, the Diamondbacks in the National League. Okay, I'm not saying they're as good as Philly or they're going to go to the World Series or anything. I'm still sticking to my pick with with Astros out of the American League. What a what a job by Houston to steal the division. Did y'all see that? My goodness. But I still got Houston coming out of the American League, Atlanta coming out of the National League in a rematch of 2021, and Atlanta prevails once again and gets another title. Uh, I think I said Atlanta in six before the season started. Yeah, Atlanta and uh, and Houston match up once again. That's what I got. But neither of those teams play in the wild card round. They changed it from a single game to best out of three, uh, like a like a series, based like a mini series, so to speak. So let's go and get our predictions of Major League Baseball. The postseason starts today. This is what we all wait for in, in, in the baseball season. We'll start in the American League with the Texas Rangers out of the American League West. Blew the division. Let's just say that for the record. And the Tampa Bay Rays out of the AL East. How about the AL East putting out three playoff teams, none of them being the, my Red Sox or the New York Yankees? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. At least the Yankees aren't it. Anyways, so Rangers come into this series. Again, they won 90 games this year. 
had some some key injuries to guys like Jacob Degrom. Uh, they brought in uh, 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 Max Scherzer, who's who's dealing with injuries as well. So they're kind of reeling. I think the morale of that baseball team is is in a bad bad spot. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, dealt with their own share of of you know turmoil with the whole Ronder Franco concerning disturbing situation going on over there. But Tampa Bay's been here and they've done that. They went to the World Series back in 2020, albeit it was the COVID year, but they still pulled that off. Almost ended up winning that series against the Dodgers. 100 games in 21. What kind of took a step back last year, losing to the Guardians in the uh, in the wild card round. Ended up getting swept, I think, in mini sweeps, so to speak, in Cleveland, Ohio. But they come in, got out to a crazy start this regular season, tail off. Offense is really going. They've got one of the best offenses in Major League Baseball. Pitching staff is always good. Kevin Cash is too analytics-driven for my taste. However, as I always say, you should use analytics. You shouldn't abuse analytics. He abuses them to a certain extent, and it's cost him some playoff series. I don't think it will here. I'm relying on the Rays pitching and offense. Give me the Rays in like a mini-sweep to zip over the Texas Rangers. I just don't like what the morale of this Rangers baseball team is right now. So give me Tex I'm sorry, give me Tampa Bay to win this and advance uh, to the American League Divisional Series. Moving on, sticking the American League with another AL East team, the Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Minnesota Twins. The Twins won the American League Central, which, you know, an argument argument could be made that's probably the weakest division <laughs> in Major League Baseball. Uh, they only needed to win 87 games to do so. As it turns out, the Blue Jays, with 89 wins, actually one up them or two up them, so to speak, in that department. So listen, Minnesota and Cleveland were kind of in a tug of war at the start of this year. Minnesota, from about midway on, kind of pulled away. Uh, you know, Cleveland. By the way, shouts out to, to, to Terry Francona, the great manager formerly of the Red Sox, retiring. Uh, just want to give props to him, but. Uh, listen, this is a Minnesota ball club that has a great, uh, uh, a great offense, but their pitching has struggled at times. As for Tampa, as for Toronto, there was a point in time they were kind of in a tug of war for that last wild card spot with Seattle. They pulled away in, in the end. They got some great talent offensively, starting with Vlad Guerrero Jr., um, you know, Bo Bichette's there. I think Bo Bichette's there, and um. George Springer, who has championship experience back in Houston. Pitching staff is good. I'm going to roll with the Toronto Blue Jays to win this series. It's going to go the, the, the distance. Again, the mini distance to a certain extent. They'll win in three games over the Minnesota Twins and advance to the American League Divisional Series. So in the last, the final four, so to speak, in the AL, it's going to be the defending champion Astros and three American League East teams. Again, none of them being my Red Sox or the dreaded, the hated, and I do mean hated, New York Yankees. And by the way, can we do this one last time since they did lose yesterday? One last time, just for the record. Big Poppy, what happened yesterday, uh, my friends? What happened to the New York Yankees? Hey, Yankees lose. <laughs> Very much, Poppy. That's my guy right there. Yankees lost to end the season. Loved it. Uh, to the National League now. couple of series here. Got the Arizona Diamondbacks, our, uh, our, our friend here at the Grid Network. Um... Uh, Jamel, Jamel Crothers, who writes for the websites. He's a big, uh, big Diamondbacks fan, goes to Chase Field a lot. Diamondbacks, Brewers in the series. The Milwaukee Brewers won the American League Central to get this point. The Diamondbacks, the last team in, in the National League, only winning 84 games to do so. That was a real, or Cincinnati was in the mix and Chicago was in the mix. San Diego made a late push, but wasn't able to get over the top to get into the postseason once again. But listen, Milwaukee, if there's one thing Milwaukee does well, and it tra always translates to the playoffs, they always have an elite pitching staff. They got Corbin Burns starting in Game 1. Corbin Burns, one of the better starters uh, in Major League Baseball, and, and certainly has a, a solid history 
of pitching some big games. As for Arizona, listen, they've got another Corbin, Corbin Carroll, who had a big-time season for them, but it's a young group, young talent. They kind of came out of nowhere. There was a point in, I think, May when they were leading the Dodgers of all teams in the NL West, but of course the Dodgers being the great organization and great uh, uh, great club they are, pull away, they, they win, you know, win as many games they did to take that division pretty easily, I might add. Uh, listen, I love Milwaukee's pitching. Pitching translates to the playoffs far more than offense, even though the Diamondbacks certainly can score. Uh, but I'm going to take the Milwaukee Brewers to win the series in a clean sweep, a quick sweep, rather. 2 nothing against the Arizona Diamondbacks in advance, once again to the National League Division Series. Moving on to our final matchup. This is a good one. The Miami Marlins and the Philadelphia Phillies. Philadelphia. Uh, you know, Philly was the best, the best, in my view, including Tampa Bay. Philadelphia, to me, was the best non-division winner uh, thus far this year in Major League Baseball. The offense has firepower all over the place with Bryce Harper, with Kyle Schwarber. Got guys everywhere. The pitching's excellent. Helped them get to the World Series just a year ago where they ended up losing to the Houston Astros. As for as for the Miami Marlins, uh, they, they have a kid uh, batting for them. Uh... Uh, Arias, I think that's how you say his name, who was flirting with a 400 uh, title, the old Ted Williams record uh, for a while there, but just, you know, kind of tailed off. But he's still batted, what, 370-something. So he's Miami can score on you. They have an excellent offense, but Philadelphia's a tough place to play. That's an electric environment in the playoffs. I think the offense for Philadelphia is going to show up. The pitch is going to show up for him. Uh, again, Miami, good offense. I think this, this series actually gets kind of interesting goes um, and goes the distance, but I'm going to take the Philadelphia Phillies to win this series in the three games and get back to the NLDS once again. So, uh, turn the the, the music, music off, the intense one, because we reserve that for big games and mostly playoff games or series in this instance. So, go back over my predictions. I've got the Rays sweeping the Rangers to advance. Uh, i got the Blue Jays winning 2-1 uh, in the series over the Minnesota Twins. And then the National League, I've got the Brewers with the sweep over Arizona and the Philadelphia Phillies 2-1 over the Miami Marlins. Uh, again, listen, I don't, the only teams I view as legitimate contenders are are, are Philadelphia, excuse me, and and um, Philadelphia and uh, Tampa Bay. Um, still again, still still rolling with, still rolling with the the Astros. Philip Chanel's the comments. He says, "Don't sleep on the Orioles." My pick is the Dodgers and the Orioles in the World Series. Listen, Baltimore's having a spectacular year. That uh, they have been. Listen, this this goes to show you. I know people don't like tanking. I know it's not popular amongst fan bases. If you do it right, it works. It does. It, I mean, it, it just does. If, if you do it right, you can be very successful. And Baltimore's done that. Uh, they sucked for a long time. I mean, there was a couple of years years where they lost over 100 games. They were terrible. They were the last laughing stock of Major League Baseball. And here they are. They're back. So that's that's a good pick, Phillip. Uh, Dodgers-Orioles. Um, I'd love to see the Dodgers back, although it, it'd just be salt in the wind. And I've always liked the Dodgers. I, I, I always have, but... Uh, it'd be like just extra salt in the wound if, if Mookie Betts wins a title, uh, wins two titles without the Red Sox. It'd just be, it'd be terrible. Um, real quick, and then I'll move on to Seahawks, Giants to predict the game. I just wanted to take a moment to say this. Uh, so, again, as I mentioned today, I literally just mentioned about Mookie Betts. Uh, I am a lifelong Boston Red Sox fan, and so... It is with great sadness, and we got the news yesterday, yesterday afternoon during the football games, that uh, legendary, and I consider that certainly as a Red Sox fan, legendary relief pitcher for the Red Sox, Tim Wakefield, passed away yesterday at the age of 
57 of cancer. Uh, we had recently found out on Thursday that he was dealing with, with a lot of health problems. Uh, listen, Wake was, and you're seeing from not just the Red Sox, you've seen guys like David Ortiz with, with his social media posts, just heartbroken. Pedro Martinez, I saw put a post yesterday. He's, he's devastated as well. And, um, yeah, I, I remember, you know, when you become a fan of a team, I'm trying to do the, trying to do this now with my Steelers. Um, when you become a fan of a team, you try to kind of ingratiate yourself in the culture and learn about the history of the teams. And for the Boston Red Sox, that the you learn about the 04 team, you learn about the 08 team. I'm sorry, the 07 team uh, as well that won against Colorado in in the World Series. Um, you learn about the last year, the last official year of the Curse of the Bambino, in which uh, Tim Wakefield actually gave up the walk off homer to Aaron Boone, and the way that Wake handled that. He was he was a guy who was Probably the greatest, if one of, if not the greatest, knuckleballers in the history of baseball. And what's so awesome about that is that he was a position player back in the '90s when he was coming out of of, of uh, uh, you know Double A baseball. He's with the Pittsburgh Pirates organization, and they told him they said like, "Dude, you're you're not going to make it as a as a as a uh, position player in Major League Baseball. You're just not." And so he's like, "Okay." I'm going to adjust. I'm going to completely change everything that I, I do about how I play baseball. I'm going to become a relief pitcher. I'm going to become the best knuckleballer in baseball. And doggone it, that's exactly uh, what he was. And way more important than that, way more important than the championships he helped us win in 04. And uh, was a great veteran presence in that clubhouse in 07. Uh, uh, Wake was a great guy. He was. He was. You're seeing again not just the tributes from the Red Sox, but the tributes around the baseball world. I mean, you're seeing even Yankees players, announcers talk about how much they loved Wake. And um, man, just a devastating loss. Praying for his wife, who again we know she's going through uh, her, some health battles herself as well. Uh, he's got a couple of kids that are about my. I think. He, I please forgive me if I'm incorrect, but I think he has two kids, both around my age. So I, I cannot imagine. Um, cannot imagine the 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 devastation the heartbreak by um or for, for Tim Wakefield's family so may he rest in peace and uh man just a devastating loss for the baseball community just tough loss for devastating loss for the Red Sox uh I was just devastated when I saw this news yesterday um good dude just 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 a, just a just a good guy and um great broadcaster too with, with the Red Sox uh, broadcasting team so he will be missed so Tim Wakefield Really good, great player, better person, and um, he's in a better place today. There's no question about that in my mind. God, God bless him, and God bless the family. Definitely gonna be keeping, keeping the Wakefield family in our in my prayers right now, and I urge you to to do the same. No doubt about it. All right, shifting. Do my best to shift from that to we have a Monday night football game tonight. A big NFC matchup. As we get the background music going right here between the Seattle Seahawks and the New York Giants in the Meadowlands. And Seattle is a two and a half point road favorite in this matchup. So listen, Seattle comes into this. They got, they got a big win last week. Their offense has looked outstanding against the Detroit Lions and against the who they play the Carolina Panthers last week. Geno Smith has been on his game ever since that clunker against the Rams. He's been on his game. Uh, that 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 uh, that Seahawks offense with with Tyler Lockett with Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's still trying to find his rhythm. This could be a breakout game for him. DK Metcalf's been great. Uh, you've got the great running game they have. Offense line's a little beat up, but they've got some playmakers there. As for the Giants, again, they go into this game. 
just about as beat up as they went into that Niners game 10 days ago. D likely no Saquon Barkley and 100% no Andrew Thomas, their left tackle. Uh, I just, I, I think the way Seattle, it's a Pete Carroll defense. They're really coming on right now. Uh, the offense in general just really seems to be kind of finding its rhythm. They look, to me, they look better than they did last year, albeit it's a small sample size. But I'm going to take the Seahawks to win tonight, 31-17 to over the New York Giants to cover the two-and-a-half-point spread uh, to win fairly comfortably, 31-17 to over the New York Giants uh, and get to 3-1, and one, just a game behind the 49ers in that division. You guys know I really like Seattle coming this year. I thought they were a playoff team. I feel great about that prediction today. Give me the Seahawks, 31-17 to over the New York Giants, and the Giants' rough start continues. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carvey Up Live on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. Again, we just got to 400 subscribers early this morning. Again, trying to get to 1,000 by the Super Bowl. We're well on our way to do that, so I cannot thank you guys enough for the support. It You, you have no idea what it means to me. It's It's been it's been awesome. So uh, if you've subscribed, thank you. Tell a friend to tell a friend about it. If you haven't, please hit that big red subscribe button. Uh, we sure would appreciate it. And of course, go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is GRYD, Grid, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Man, what a great, great show. College football, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA. October's the best sports month. Sport best sports month of calendar. You cannot convince me otherwise. It's awesome. All right, see y'all on Wednesday. You got a great Monday night game tonight. Baseball playoffs start tomorrow. College football's in full full flight. NBA media day. Hey, doesn't get much better than that. About, the hockey's coming up too. I don't even watch hockey. Hockey's coming up too for you hockey fans out there. Let's go. And not one mention of Taylor Swift until this moment. I pulled it off, y'all. All right, see y'all on Wednesday. Stay safe out there. Uh, be sure to take care of your physical and mental health as well, of course. And be sure to, con to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America because we've got to, got to, got to fix this issue. And it's one I wish would we, we, get brought up more often than, than it does, no doubt about it. All right, see y'all on Wednesday. Great show. Appreciate all the, the, the feedback that we got today. God bless you all. Peace out. Make that two mentions of Taylor Swift. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on The Grid Network.